Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby. Doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, sat in the rugby dungeon, the legendary rugby dungeon, in season 10, with my old loyal friend Phil. How are you, loyal Phil? Hello, loyal JB. How are you? I'm very well. Worse for wear, mate. Really quite worse for wear. Tough weekend? Good God, yes. I'm at the stage of my life now where the weekend itself isn't too hard at the time, but my God. In fact, a very wise man once said to me, a very wise man called Tim Cocker once said, drinking is borrowing happiness from tomorrow. And with that, I want to say, how are you, Tim Cocker? I'm better now you've put your foot down and I'm not looking at your toes you know, on the camera. Do you know why my foot was up? Why is that? You missed, Tim, you, you, because you're down the line, you missed the incredibly um, seductive and erotic move that JB performed, which was turning turning down the intro music with his toe. How's that? While he was introducing the podcast. They don't teach you that in Virgin wow. Radio. They'll just hire you a lackey to do it. <laughs> Wow, I might get the lackey to do it with their toes from now on. <laughs> Absolutely. Whilst they make you a wow. coffee. <laughs> so the Egg Chasers TMO shipping container is in sunny Cornwall. Yeah, where in, where in Cornwall are you? Well, if you've watched the latest episode of House of the Dragon, you'll have seen exactly where I am because Marazion in Cornwall uh, features in the latest episode. It's that. It's that. It's a beautiful part just round the, round the coast from Penzance where, Phil, you will have played... Cornish Pirates a bunch of times mm. and it's a few oh. miles around the, a few miles down from there and around beautiful little bay with the with the little mount that you get a uh, little island that you get to via a causeway that's exposed when the tide is out and covered when the tide is in like Mont Saint-Michel in Normandy how it's, lovely yeah. well we were yeah. also in Cornwall we were in the port town of Falmouth and it was wonderful we went sailing um, what else did we do we went to some pubs yes. we went sailing again that's yes. it really Two very nice meals. Two very two excellent meals. Yeah, I, I highly recommend Falmouth. Really enjoyed it. Mm, it was good fun. Yeah. And we still managed to watch plenty of rugby, which is great. Yeah. So, yeah, let me just remind you of the the fact that you've already mentioned, JB, this is season number 10. Season 10. 
season 10 we're into now on this podcast. And if you appreciate that and the fact that we're there for you every single Monday morning, except when there is a public holiday, as it, as was the case here with the funeral of Her Majesty the Queen. That's why we're, we're recording it on Monday night, ready for the commute on Tuesday morning. Yep. If you appreciate that, you can, well, hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or get more content at patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. Yeah. What's the strangest thing that you've done, quote-unquote, out of respect today, or not done out of respect? Um, um, kept my, kept any sardonic comments in the pub uh, un, uh, at, a, at an appropriately quiet volume. Oh, good, good. Uh, I, out of respect, couldn't go to co-op. Um, I, out of, res- out of respect, couldn't go to the GP. Out of respect, you understand. Couldn't do CrossFit out of respect. So uh, quite a lot of things. Um, I was, you know, forced respectfulness. Yeah, I very respectfully at 9pm last night uh, had a rush trip to co-op because I realised that I'm not going to be able to buy any food today. Exactly. So just scoured what was left of the shelves um, in co-op on a Sunday evening. But then all the co-ops opened at five o'clock, out of respect. Oh, five o'clock today they did? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So ours was shut and then it was open after five, out of respect, of course. So, um, yeah, I guess we should get on to the, uh, the very respectful rugby. I know, I know what you're thinking. I know what you want to ask, so I'll just answer it anyway. Yes, Talk H did overcome Old Williams this weekend, thirty-five <laughs> ten. Very excited by that. Do, well, do you know what? I, do you know what I want to start with? Sorry, go on, Phil. I was going to say, well done, Talk H. Thank you, mate. Yeah, Thank good. you. I was on good. Uh, ten good, good. all weekend Co- on that one. We covered that off then. Great. Uh, there's <laughs> there's <laughs> a couple of emails. We're contactedchasers at gmail dot com, and this this fills me with a lot of pride whenever we get. An e- email like this one from Mark. Uh, is Mark this Ab- the one I'm thinking of? Is this the one? Go on. Mark, Mark Abrahams. I mean, there's a couple that I'm going to read one after the other because they came very close together. Yeah. And they're on a very similar theme. And Mark says, hi, guys. Hi, guys. Love the pod, blah, blah, blah. The pod inspired me and my loose head. And I don't know if he's referring to his own head or his teammate. I assume it's his teammate. Yes. Who, <laughs> who's in the front row with. The pod inspired me and my loose head. I'm thinking Mark must be a tight head, perhaps, to take the game back up. It's been 18 years since we were on the pitch together. Good we ran, But we ran out for crediting thirds this afternoon, and this is the aftermath, and they sent a picture of us turning out. After 18 years, and then just to back that one up, Jeremy Springall is over in the States in Maryland, Maryland, and he says, love the pod. After hearing about all, um, ab- about all the down-the-pyramid local rugby, you've inspired me to take up playing the game after a 12-year hiatus. There we I go. I found my local team, Frederick Rugby, here in Maryland. Maryland, Mer- Maryland. I'm not, never know, Mer- never sure how you should say that. Maryland. 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 Anyway, USA. And I went to my first practice this week. It was brilliant. At 37, I'm still believing I can hit my big six prime despite my non-crossfit body coming in at 105 kgs and six foot three. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to be said for how difficult it could be to make friends as an adult man and going to, back to rugby is definitely helping me make some new brothers in arms. Suffice to say, my body and particularly my shoulders are sore, but I did smoke someone on a clear out, and that yeah. brain is still as fast as ever, despite not the legs not being able to keep <laughs> up. He also points out the um, the US coverage of rugby in America. They can see all MLR games on one app. Yeah, they combine, can. Combine documentary for free, and I gather it's the same. That, yeah, you can watch every single game, every minute of it, so... Oh, oh, and, and on, uh, he says a challenge for you would be max rep bench press because they had the combine there of 100 kgs. The combine top score was 29 reps. What was the 
challenge you were going to set yourself, Phil? Well, I start. Yeah, I started doing it. It was like a. It's a. It's a big variation on that theme. The record for the combine bench press was. Um, it was forty two, isn't it? No, it's fifty one. Uh, Is it? Yeah, fifty one yes, reps yes, yes, at hundred kg. Uh, so I I tried to see what weight can I rep. That's fi- it. Fifty one. So the guy who did fifty one was one hundred and thirty kg. So that was like eighty percent of his body weight. Okay. Uh, so for me, eighty percent of my body weight would be like sixty-five kg, something like that. I don't ston- like the, I don't like these body weight ones because they disadvantage larger men because our because our skeletons and stuff are heavier, <clears throat> and also larger muscle mass is less efficient. Well, the 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 guy who the guy who was um who one hundred and thirty kg and repped one hundred kg fifty. 51 times was My God. <laughs> I mean um, and it was just to see what I could do 51 reps at and I I think I got to 42 kg I feel like I could do 42 kg 51 is a lot of reps it is a lot of reps isn't it it's a lot of reps have, have a go I will I'm going to do it tomorrow this discussion is the perfect way I'm just going to very quickly touch on one other email contacttedchasers at gmail.com because um <laughs> It, Phil's just talking about his training. I bet you've seen this email, Phil. Uh, we had someone. I, 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 I'm, I'm just going to say the the Bimbo Rose. You'll know who you are. Anyway, <laughs> he, he said, "I thought you lads would be interested in a in a in a conversation that takes up mine and a fellow show listener's time." Oh yes. So, so two friends who listen to Egg Chasers, and he just he just sent us a, a copy and paste of the conversation that happens on WhatsApp. Um. And he starts by saying, have you, have you done egg chases yet? Yeah, I'm part way through. Well, this isn't a big spoiler. This is, this is the first person now again. This isn't a big spoiler, but how does Phil manage his time? He's a construction dude. Says he works 50 to 60 hour weeks. He watches every game and then his friend chips in. He has kids. He, he's social. And then the other he's one... He's not that social. <laughs> <laughs> and he talks about parquet floor that he's bought, reclaimed from Debenhams, and he's having to hand prepare each slate. He's got 4K to do. I, I ke- um to do yesterday. I came to work, then took the kids to some clubs and did some shopping. Watched twenty minutes of TV before bed. His, his mate replies, "Did you hear the list of things to do if you're on holiday with no gym?" He is a different species. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says back, he says back, "I don't remember that, but but their hours are different to ours, aren't they?" He can only give uh he can only give analysis of two leagues, and then someone chips in and goes, "Yeah, JB's building a boat." <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Don't forget the boat. That's like hundreds of hours of, of work there. Yeah, hundreds says, of hours. He says I've been with so and so before, and he's crossed out the name, presumably of a friend before, and seen him lie on Twitter. I.e., what a game what that was, and I know he didn't watch it. But That's Phil a lie. Def- Why would I ever do that? No, no, no. No one's saying you did it. As he's talking about a mate of his, and he's saying, but Phil definitely has. And then his mate replies, well, uh. Phil is clearly a better man. He I thought he was yeah. referring to me saying that on, no, on Twitter. No, no, no. And he says, yeah, and he's also in great nick. I think they've found the key of never having to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh. is, that, is that how you do it, Phil? If, do you sleep? If only. I do. Need, I need a lot of sleep. There's, there's, there are certain things that I just don't do in my life. <laughs> um, one, one of which is a massive time saver. Never go shopping. Also, never watch TV. That is apart, true. Other than rugby, uh, they're, they're two big life hacks. But besides, yeah, that is- besides that, 
Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, uh, yeah, we should do it. We should do a Phil life hack. When I we, actually found myself when we get to a significant like episode number, <laughs> we should do a Phil life hack episode. I actually found myself last night for the first time in ages watching TV. I had nothing to do on a Sunday night, oh. so I tried to watch some of the rugby. I couldn't quite focus. Tried to watch some of the NFL. Couldn't quite focus. What you couldn't focus on the Jets be, beating the Cleveland Browns? Come I could on. not focus on that. In the end, I watched the too long game. No, too, nice. too long game. I, I wish I'd seen that. Yeah, it was good. Well, I'd say it's good. I don't even know what the end of the score was. I only watched the first half. 30-29, it finished. To, too long. To, too long. Yeah, did you see the team that Toulon put out, Tim? Yeah, when they hid the fact that they were smuggling Bastero back on the field for the first time in a year. Yeah, yeah. and 10 minutes in, he makes a absolutely world-class jackal. I that, mean, that, that jackal, that's the only bit of the game I've seen other yeah. than the scoreline and that Toulon were winning and Claremont came back. But that jackal was world-class. It was unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. I know you don't want to... You actually warned me before the show, Tim. Don't talk about anything in detail. Let's get through this. But let's just talk about Toulon in detail for a little bit. <laughs> um, they went into this game with one recognised jumper. That is insane. That is literally insane. Um, and their team, it looks like it's just... Uh, uh, I don't know, a random collection of other of other clubs' players. Well, that this is the thing with um, top fourteen. You, if you if you watch it like two seasons ago, and then you look at the teams now, yeah, half of the players are on every team have switched team, but, but still within the top fourteen. Yeah, I mean, you think about two or three of the classic fly halves in the French. Uh, Top fourteen, like Lionel Boxis has been uh, Leon. He's been probably. I think he's Stad, definitely at Stad. Stad. Yeah, he's definitely at Toulouse. Um, Screlo did Toulouse. Did Stad? Did uh, what's the other one? Claremont, uh, Michelac, Toulouse. Definitely Leon. Definitely too. Did he do Toulon for a little bit? Michelac. He might have done. Yeah, I think he's at the done, end of his career. I'm sure he's played played with Wilkinson. Like they, they're all at it. Yeah. I mean, I was stunned to see Ohio West there. Yeah. Well, there's, I, there's more clubs as well, because the the second division's a good quality league. Yeah, but it's so weird, yeah. isn't it? So it's like, can you imagine seeing Owen Farrell in all these clubs? <laughs> you know, it tends to be in the premiership, the guys stick, if they're really that important. Mind you, George Ford. George, yeah, I was going to say George Ford. Yeah. George Ford is a good example. But I can't imagine Marcus Smith going anywhere. No. Well, we have so much to, to talk about that, yeah, I think go, going on the, the career pathways of <laughs> French 10s. Yeah. We played we, in we, the mid-2000s. We, we, we can always loop back to that if we, if we have time at the end. Yeah, yeah, um, I'll but, mock that down for later. Will Morgan did email just going, by the way, I don't think there was enough content in last week's pod regarding level 50 Manchester rugby clubs. Completely <laughs> agree. Paul, talk, talk more about that. Completely agree. Uh, actually, how did the end of fourteens go, Tim? No, let's not talk about that. Let's no, come on. About, how do they go? About that how do they decision. go? Let's, let's talk about that decision um, in the Australia game. Yeah, okay, oh. that's a good place to start. Actually, yeah, there's two. Yeah. There, there are two decisions in this game talking about, but let, let's talk about the final one first. Yeah, harsh, but fair. For anyone that hasn't seen it, how would you describe it briefly, Phil? Um. So the the bit that was doing the rounds kind of immediately after the game was um, Bernard Foley, what looks like Bernard Foley, about to take a kick to touch to clear his own lines, uh, five metres out from his own line, with a minute or less than a minute left on the clock. And just as he's about to kick the ball, 
Matthew, Mathieu Reynal blows up and gives a scrum against him for taking too long. So on the face of it, if you just look at that and look at the uh, Australians' reactions, it looks like the wrong call. However, I, th- I think the more I look at this and the more I've kind of read into it and seen what happened leading up to that point, the more I support Matthew Raynell and I'm kind of disappointed with Foley and Nick White's reaction in particular to it. I, I'm with you all the way until you said you're disappointed with their reaction. I'm not disappointed with their reaction. I think it's completely understandable. It would potentially be better if they reacted in a different way, but I think they would so hyped up for it, they were on the verge of a historic victory, and it was taken away from them. Now, it was taken away because it was their fault. And I can't get away from that. It is their fault. So the reaction, the two reactions I particularly disappointed was Foley at the time, who looks, who looks shocked, but he's been given multiple warnings up to that point, including multiple warnings on that specific kick. Yeah, well, I don't think it's, it was aimed at Foley, the decision. So I think the decision was aimed at the pack. So oh no, it's, it's Foley. No, Foley's, it's aimed at Foley hang on. kicking it. Have you seen the pack? Have you seen what the pack? Yeah, are I doing? know, but no, it doesn't matter what the pack is yes, doing because it, that's that's irrelevant to the referee. Well, I, so I think it is relevant because he's got the ball in his hands, and the referee is looking at the pack, and they're just not ready to play, and he's waiting. So when he's saying "hurry up, hurry up, hurry up," he knows Foley will not kick that ball until the pack have dispersed from their huddle. But so, he, he he can. Because Foley can kick it, but he's not yeah. kicking it until that pack moves. That, I think the pack think, oh, well, if we stay here, he can't, he can't kick it. Ooh. So, well, there's, there's the Foley, but the worst reaction of all was, have you seen the video of Nick at, White at the end of the game? Yeah, Nick White and Raynal. I didn't think it was too bad. Why? So Nick White says, you have cost us the rugby championship. And it's that lack of accountability. It's blaming someone else. Instead of saying, well, we had multiple warnings, or multiple penalties, we dropped the ball over the line or were held yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Kellaway was held up. We gave away four penalties in the first 10 minutes, which meant we were 10-0 down. Yeah. We had three yellow cards, one of which absolutely should have been a red card. <laughs> so they're lucky from that. And we conceded five tries. Yeah. So to, to, for, for Nick White to blame someone else when his team have had so many failings throughout the game... That lack of accountability is so disappointing. Yeah, I think there's a macro and a micro version of this here, isn't there? So I completely agree with you. We had this discussion actually on the plane home, which is if you leave it that close and you leave it in the ref's hands, it's your fault. Absolutely. absolutely I completely agree with that. But I also believe that on a micro level, and you've just been exposed to that right at the end of the game, you do... I mean, let's, let's, let's do it another way. If that decision was right at the start of the game... No one talks about it. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then it is all on Nick White. So you're 100% right. But I also see it from the, you know, the macro point. They've got their way back into this game. It's on a knife edge. And that's when that extra 2 or 3%, which the ref puts on, really counts. And in this case, I, I that, think you've, you know. Yeah, I think you've touched on uh, quite an interesting point there is how reticent referees are to make big decisions in mm. the final moments of games. Quite yeah. often you'll see ruck after ruck after ruck near the end of a game in a kickable position that might sway the game. And I, I understand it. Referees quite often dodge making that big decision. Well, uh, particularly this, is, this is one of those rare occasions where in, in a manner that I don't think anyone has ever seen before, he makes that kind of a decision. It would be similar to if with a scrum at the end of a game uh, where let's say, 
New Zealand were on, had a scrum on the middle of the 22 and were two points down and he gave a he gave a, a penalty for or whatever oh no you don't get a penalty for free a free kick but he gave he gave a free kick for feeding or not setting and, up and, quick and, enough and, yeah. and you'd go well but every scrum they feed every scrum why are you yeah. doing it now yeah, and yeah, i would yeah. say that is wrong okay i would say that is wrong because you know you've got your first 10 minutes to make your decisions and you should be consistent throughout now this decision i've never i can't remember one similar to, to this but they did take their time taking the kick they they I, they were told they were told in that phase they it's not unprecedented for a referee to make a decision once he's told you what to do if yeah. you hadn't told them what what to do oh it'd be ridiculous it would be ridiculous but he told them what to do and he told them the what one, to do multiple yeah. multiple kicks before that as well right and yeah. I, I the only the I'm only not... defensive Bernard Foley here is that he he gave him the warning Sorry. He said you need to curry up, and then he went time back on, and it was only I think three seconds before he then blew up. Yeah. And Bernard Foley was clearly looking round at the forwards, going, "Are you, are you going to get ready to chase this kick or the what?" Forwards okay, were fine. not ready. And, and, and as he turns around to go and kick, then the referee's blowing the whistle. So, I, 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 I think you are one hundred percent right in what you said, Phil. That that Nick White's response misses. All, all manner of ways that Australia could have helped it, but it's an odd thing to do right at the end of a game. It's a brave thing to do. It's it's a very brave thing to do. Yeah, um, um, and I, I do have I have sympathy for Nick White because of the situation and how emotionally charged it will be. I just it's disappointing for him to blame someone else, and I I hope he looks back at it and looks at all the all of the failings on their side, um, and I would hope he apologises to. Matthew Raynell for it. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't suspect we will get that. No, I don't think an apology is in order. Um, I think he'll probably reflect on it and think he could do better, but I don't think he needs... If he does apologise, fine. If he doesn't, fine. Uh, yeah, I think he'll probably reflect on it and think we could have done something better. But, uh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's competitive sport. And it's not as if, you know, Raynell ran off like... Um, do you remember when Australia beat... Scotland through a dodgy decision and the referee ran off and obviously he wasn't comfortable with whatever's going on. The ref obviously is and he stood his ground and he, he told did, yeah. everyone why he did it and the whole world can see both the reasoning and the referee comes on comes out on top and that'll be the end of it. Mm. Yeah, the referee made a call and that's fine but I, I also go, imagine if this was... Who does JB? What team does J? What international team does JB love? France this, or South if Africa? If this was France, if this was France losing a World Cup semi-final to England in this in the, <laughs> in this fashion, you would be raging oh, at this decision by think, the referee. I don't think I would. I mean, if this decision was made against the French, can you imagine the reaction? It'd be wonderful television. <laughs> but no, um, no, I, yeah. Look, I. If if this happened to Talk H, I would be raging, absolutely raging. <laughs> or say if a team I've got an interest in, but I don't have an interest in it at all, uh, other than say it was very very good game, very entertaining game. Never seen anything like this before, and maybe we can all learn. Listen to the referee. Rugby Championship is ace, though, isn't it? Well, it this never used to, it never used to be. This, no, it's been brilliant. This season has been amazing. And I, yeah, I think that's reflected in. I mean, the Marvel Stadium looked phenomenal. Mm. Can I tell you the little detail which I really loved about it is that the lines and the numbers were painted in gold. Oh. Yeah, really like that. Do you know what I didn't like about it so much? Or I could only put up with it for a certain amount of time. Go on. The amount of smoke in the atmosphere. <laughs> so it's kind of good to have that atmosphere after it's all kicked off, but they need they need to find a way to clear, to clear it. It can't be like that after 20 minutes. Yeah, okay. 
Now, one thing I di- one thing I didn't like, we mentioned it briefly before, that um, that Darcy Swain clear out. Ah, uh, yeah. Have you, have you two seen the yeah. the angles? I f- yeah. I find it. I think he's incredibly lucky to get a yellow card for that. It's one of the worst ones I've seen. I think. Don't know is the answer. I don't know. So, if you I don't knew- know what, you don't know what his intent was, That's he might exactly just have been right. genuinely trying to roll the guy. But it was a. Oof. It could have been. It could have been awful. I mean, it, you're right. You don't know the intent, and the intent isn't judged at the time when you, yeah. um, for the um, on-field decision. But the way it happens, where he dives, so off his feet from the side. Is like that's too clear technical infringements of the rook. Yeah, but the way he goes for the side of the knee from the side with like a twist in there as well, it looks and he's ruptured is a full rupture of MCL and partial rupture of ACL. Which, when you're a 19 stone man dropping at someone's knee from an angle like that, it looks like the outcome was exactly what Swain intended it to be. Oh, yeah. I hadn't heard that was the the injury. Well, outcome. that is the outcome. Oh, okay. Well, let me oh, just God. let me just put this in a slightly different way for you. Everyone says, "Oh, look at him targeting the knee. Look at the damage he's done." Now, I'm a man that has done an awful lot of jujitsu for a long time. Um, I did it for I don't know, maybe four year four year span, mm-hmm. and it's just not that easy to do that amount of damage. To, if it was that easy, everyone everyone would be doing it. You know, you'd see it in the UFC, you'd see it everywhere. It's just not that easy. So, I would need to know if he intended to do that before I said, yeah, he needs a long ban. I think... So, so, so disciplinary? It's, it's, this is a very different situation to UFC. I mean, you're targeting the leg. Uh, no, but because... The, so the um, Conor Tupai, who was trying to jackal, his focus is on the ball that's kind of between his legs. His focus is not on the man coming yeah, from, yeah, from an angle fine. on the side. Like You would never, ever get a move like that in... In UFC or, or well, I'm just saying it's incredibly difficult to do that amount of damage, even when you mean it, even when you mean it, and you know these uh, and these guys are pros. I, there's an element of bad luck here because I just can't imagine a rugby player would want to do that to another rugby player. I just can't imagine it. Yeah, now it's. I, sorry, I, I want to say element of luck. Element of bad luck is probably what I meant to say. Yeah, I think, I think no one, no one would have that premeditated I don't believe or I'd like to believe that no one would have that premeditated but I can understand when the red mist goes in the heat of battle like, people do all sorts of stupid things like gouging and stamping on people and throwing fists and all the rest of it the, the videos on Twitter of uh, New York gang uh, little gang fights on pavements and stuff oh right okay yeah. yeah yeah people do some dark things yeah so in the heat of battle uh, to me and so it is intro, I've just looked it up. Um, it looks like he has been cited. We'll see what happens because it's... For me, it should... It, that should meet a red card threshold. Um, and then that is not something we want in the game at all. Yeah, look, if you meant to do it, I'd, I think I'd be happy to ban him for a year. Maybe maybe more. Maybe, uh, yeah. maybe 18 months seems about proportionate to me. Uh, if he, oh, if, I'm watching it again now. It is awful but it goes in with like the yeah. shoulder and the arm and dives it's, it's the side of the yeah. knee i mean i'd need to i'd need to know for certain that you meant to do that because I, you know with a gouge and you know with a punch you know what you're dealing with you don't know necessarily what you're dealing with there I, because in 
in the laws, I think that's legal, is it not? He's targeted a lower limb. Uh, so he's in in the side and off his feet, which is the two illegal oh, yeah. actions. But that's kind of like you're not you're not allowed to. It's in the law that you're not allowed to intentionally uh, injure or or be intentionally reckless. Yeah, or, no, or just or just be just be just dangerous play, isn't it? Dangerous yeah, play the, in the law. There's like a catch-all. So I don't believe there's anything that specifically says you must not target the knee from an angle. That that's too specific. But there yeah. is, if you remember when we spoke to. JP uh, Doyle a while ago, he was like, as a referee, you've got to give me a catch-all. That whereas if there's something that I see that is just simply not cricket, you have got to give me the referee the ability to control it. And it's it's law nine point eleven or nine point one one. Players must not do anything that is reckless and dangerous to others. So it, it, this then falls under three separate laws. It's the coming off the feet. It's the in from the side. And it's the reckless and dangerous. Yeah, I do feel like in from the side and off your feet is a little bit like getting. Al Capone for accountancy discrepancies. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, okay. Yeah, those those two are not the... But that's then, not what a long ban is going to come for. The dangerous, all the reckless stuff, I think is more appropriate for it. Because I don't really care about in on the side. I don't really care about off the feet because that happens in so many rucks and there's no consequence. But yeah, I think the dangerous stuff is, is definitely there. Yeah. Uh, but again, it, I, when I saw this, I thought, it's just a shame there's not a kind of a tag that you can put on someone's file which is, we suspect very strongly that this guy was previously guilty, but we're going to let him off. Kind of like <laughs> a report, but if something else happens, like a probation. like, it's like a suspended sentence. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think if I could do that to him, I think I would. So I'd, I'd maybe give... So we can't do the... We can't know for certain his intent. To me, the intent at the time looks horrendous. It looks like he is intentionally trying to injure Conor Tupai for a seriously long time. Mm. Um but I'd, I would go for a pro- good proportionate ban for this, maybe three months or something like that. Um, I'd have to see the, the precedent. But on top of that, I'd do what you're suggesting, which is if there's anything ever anything like this, you, you're just getting a full year ban on top of whatever yeah. else you've done. Yeah, it, it, it is it's yeah, such a that. bad look. Yeah, that, that, that. Because I, just, I can't for certain say... Uh, he's got tell you what the boys had one hell of a start to his international career he has hasn't he yes you know he's uh, um, tangled with Johnny Hill yeah I mean, he could have is this his second cap nah, <laughs> he's had more than that well, yeah. yeah but he got banned didn't he on his debut yeah yeah, yeah. So if his debut was like game test three and he got banned for two games <laughs> he didn't get selected and he's fine it could well be his second cap I suspect it's more than that but oh yeah um, he first got captain in 2011 uh, 2021. So, oh, did he? I thought his I thought his debut uh, was no, against. Um, let's England, let's not go it? into the the career of why um, why <laughs> give them what they want. We've got so much rugby to talk about, and not least this email from Kieran Glenn. How are we not, we're going to talk about any of the rugby which occurred during the Australia. Well, well, well just I'll, I'll just just while we're following on from this. Okay. Um, well, okay. Well, what, what do you want to talk about in terms of the game? Great game. Awesome thought, game. Yeah, I thought it was. Well, well than New Zealand. It was a hell of a game, and and. I think I mentioned before about the negatives that Nick White should be looking to. There are a lot of positives for Australia as well. Aren't they just? They they came back from 10-0 down. They came back to be winning it late on in the game. They scored some brilliant tries. I love that back row. Uh, yeah, that's uh, exactly what I wanted to talk about. Uh, I'm not, I'm not great sure. Depth. I'm not sure I would... I'm not sure that back row would be effective in every single game. But God, they were effective in this game. Yeah. And yeah. I just love... I've said it many, many times. When you take away 
some really key pieces and you let other people just take the reins and take on some responsibility, you'll be amazed at what they do. I think Bobby V. Um, Bobby V. And Leo Sa- Sa- Pete, uh, Samu, Pete Samu. Pete Samu at Openside. It's like the opposite of uh, Pooper yeah. from a few years ago. Instead of having no eights, have, just have all the eights. Well, and that's kind of it, isn't it? You know, when you're really reliant on one guy and what he does, as good as that guy is, well, when he's removed, you're going to have to play a different way. And if you've got an extra ball carrier, well, okay, quite like that. Yeah, so Samu was electric. He was brilliant. Yeah, Bur- I thought Bur- Bernard Foley played well. Yeah. I also thought the All Blacks, I mean, it was a weird one for them. They seemed to want to throw a lot of stuff away. They were not clinical. They dropped a lot of ball. Um, they, they look thoroughly mortal. They look like a very good, beatable team. But they've still got amazing parts of it. Like that Will Jordan yeah. try, the tri- the Barrett try in the 81st minute, the yeah. Richie Moonga try, uh, Takiaho, um well, taking his chances very well, although he should have had a hat-trick. Same, same as Kellaway, actually. Yeah. The two guys that got a brace both uh, lost the ball or got turned over over the line. So there could have been two hat-tricks. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Takiaho fan. He just seems to be a big game player he doesn't seem to be phased by pretty much pretty much anything and I th- I'm glad you mentioned Callaway. I know he's got quite a lot of experience now but he feels like a really important guy for Australia mm. he, he's he's very useful he, he finished those two tries the, he should have scored the easiest one to score was probably the uh, the first one where he got um, turned over with an incredible tackle yes. from Rico Ioane well the, 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 I think the other nice sort of contrast in this game were the two wingers because both of them are incredible athletes in Caleb Clark and Marika Corabetti. And we've seen the good bits of Marika Corabetti over the last few weeks, his defensive efforts and whatnot, and he is great. But I've always said it, the guy's a bit of a liability. He makes bad decisions. Do you see when he got turned over, he decided to run the ball back? Mm. Turned over. I mean, I, I, you know, that's what happens when you're supremely talented. You believe you can do anything. Did you see his hit on Caleb Clark as well? I did see his hit on, that was, on Caleb Clark. That was awesome. That was quality. And Caleb Clark, Although that was that was probably a bad decision by Foley to kick the ball away because they they kind of got front foot. I think it was, was it turnover, and they made a great burst down the middle and go left, and Foley kicks it away, and it looked like they had numbers if he, he hadn't kicked it away, but it allowed for an amazing Corabetti uh, hit. Yeah, Caleb Clark to me is about five percent off being absolutely godlike on a on a rugby field. And he just can't quite get it together. There's not that end product quite yet that he needs. I don't mean his, his try scoring, but you know he'll often get you know caught in possession or he won't make the right pass. Again, when you're that massive and physical and strong, why would you learn to pass? Well, the, his break, which is beautiful hands from Satoto, his break that led to the, the double yellow, the Tom Wright and the Darcy Swain yellow, he should have drawn the man and given it. I think mm. it, I think it might have been I think it might have been Havili. Um, or if Ely might have gone off at that point, but there was someone steaming up on his left-hand side. And if he just take instead of going flat out, if he takes a yard off it, draws the full-back, it's try time. Yeah. But he tried to do it all himself. Uh, and uh, admittedly, he got two men yellow-carded, so it's not, it wasn't all, <laughs> wasn't all bad. Yeah, that's true. But uh, it would have been try time. Yeah. Uh, big shout-out to Tom Wright. Love that guy. Love Ikitao, mostly for his name, but also for Len Ikitao. Yeah. yeah, Len Ikitao. What a great name! <laughs> yeah, I just think you know, great, great game. Awesome to see an Australian stadium full, absolutely rampacked, uh, and it's good to see that the All Blacks are sort of like a normal team now. Yeah, although 
the rugby championship is theirs to win or theirs to lose. Yeah, it's in, it's in their hands. But the fact that it's not a foregone conclusion is quite good. That it's amazing for the tournament. Yeah, that you've got four teams. So I think theoretically, all four teams can can win this. Um, I've not actually done a deep dive on that, but it's New Zealand 14, South Africa 14, Australia 10 and Argentina 9, I think is the current point standing. So anyone can win it um, on the, potentially win it on the final day, which would be amazing if, if Argentina came from behind. Do Australia and New Zealand have one more game after the conclusion of the rugby championship? Don't know this year, but they mentioned, uh, I did hear in comms that, the Bledis- that was kind of it for the Bledisloe, which would suggest because New Zealand retained it from last yeah, year, yeah, they did Australia would have to win two. So I, d- I don't know for certain, but I think maybe not. Interesting. Um, anyone watch Argentina, South Africa? Only the highlights. Yeah, good. Um, as I have been saying for a long time now, I think their best two halfbacks are Hen- Hendrik Say. <laughs> and Will and Damien Vil, Wilhelmsy 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 I think those two are uh, more 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 J- Jaden Hen- Hen- Hendricks I, I think he's brilliant for them I, I really do um, I mean quite good it's if you imagine how an Australia uh, sorry an Argentina South Africa game has gone for the past decade it went broadly speaking according to that that's that, that's how I, how I would describe it yeah the um the boy from what I saw, the boy Moody on the wing as well. I like him. Yeah, he's good. He had a he? few nice touches, a few nice little runs. It's, it's very obvious what they want from their wingers, which is good actually bringing him up because he reminds me of some of the wing play which has been going on in the in the Premiership this weekend. Mm. And I'm starting to think that uh, wingers are kind of wingers and fullbacks are getting divided into two sort of categories. Go on. Well. So, attacking and defensive, but not in the ways that you think. So, I think now wingers that rather, wingers now rather than being the out and out finishers like the like the Anthony Watsons, you need to be more like Tom Tom, Tom Flatty, who can finish and, and is a good finisher. In fact, he's got three tries now in mm. two weeks. But watching him, it is so obvious that what his strong points are is chasing the ball, chasing the ball, and I think. You, the wingers going forward need to be almost as sturdy as catching the ball defensively and then going forward and chasing the ball attackingly and catching attackingly, which is a completely different skill set. And O'Flaherty is really, really good at it. Mm, um, really good at it. O'Flaherty is and Woodburn is yes. as well. Woodburn's another one of the, that kind of wing, winger. Yeah. Woodburn can do a bit. I mean, I think those two, they can do a bit of everything. They, yes, they're well-rounded. Yeah, they are very well-rounded. Because even like Woodburn got an assist this weekend. He comes off his wing very nicely and can play kind of out the back from the ten as a not really a pivot, but well, as a dis- a, like an auxiliary distributor. Well, funny enough, you mentioned that because a few years ago something was distributed from um, an analysis account which showed Exeter playing with what they called their X wings, where the wing would come across to the other to the other side and be that first receiver for the other winger and another player who would run basically I'm trying to think of it well, like, like like a, a rangy line almost yeah or like two you'd have an unders and overs line yes exactly yeah they used to do that a lot when yeah. when they're successful it works fantastically that's the, that's the most common move in rugby 
Oh yeah, everyone does it. Everybody does it. I'm starting to think now. I mean, I was watching the Premiership this week, and I was watching part of what the All Blacks were doing. In fact, I was watching Richie Mwanga run behind a pod of three. I'm thinking, we do this. (laughs) Colin Bay do this. Everybody does the same stuff in rugby. Rugby is like a Californian forest, ready ready to catch fire. Like no, I'll tell you what. Rugby (laughs) is rugby union is like rugby league. Is basically that, that's it. It's all, all rugby union is doing, and every team at every level is doing what rugby league have been doing for twenty years. Um, yes and no, because I, I think there's going to be there's going to be a tipping point where something completely new is going to happen. I mean, I don't think. Well, yeah, of course. But what what they're currently doing is like is just the most basic version rugby rugby league attack. Yeah, it, some some bits are. Yeah, some bits are. I mean, Leicester Tigers don't do that. Uh, I'll, I'll give them some. I'll give them. Yeah, some they, yeah they do. No, they don't. Yeah, but George Ford last season was always ten behind a pod of three forwards. When they play out the back, it's usually numbered up, just like you know, they'll do things like three on three, or but they don't. They don't spend much time running the ball through their hands. You are right that they will pull out of a pod of three like a rugby league team, but I wouldn't class their attack yeah. as rugby. Most of the time, they'll give they'll give the ball to like Jasper Visa at the front of the little pyramid I mean the, the thing they do and, most... and he'll and he'll truck it up but every now and again Ellis Genge or Jasper Visa or something will just lift the ball back to George Ford and he's open well the thing they do more than anybody else as of last season was run the ball off nine just directly off nine over and over again because it's a risk reduction strategy yeah because bloody clever they they do two things they do short short passes yep or they kick yep that is predominantly and they only they ever play when the numbers suit them Mm-hmm. Which is just, just exactly just, what you should be doing. Yeah, just to move us from uh, rugby championship towards premiership, because there's a little dovetail here with an email from Kieran Glenn. Contact TedChasers at gmail dot com says um, the rugby championship has been amazing this year. Agreed. Uh, each team has a chance to win every match, and all games are interesting and intense. Mm-hmm. There's there are no Italy matches. He puts in brackets. <laughs> Correct. It does make a big difference. It does. Uh, why does there feel like a lack of promotion, even from the Sky Broad- uh, Sky Broadcasting the comp? That's a fair point. Uh, secondly, and this is on the promotion of rugby, BBC Sport, on BBC Sport, there is nothing on the comp. And more and more, I'm thinking there's an agenda against rugby, or at least it seems, as mm-hmm. the main sports page of rugby was largely rugby causes, brain damage stories, and yes. the game f- failing, well, etc. Well, not wrong. I, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that's kind of the point. And... Um, to that end, and I'm glad some of the other podcasters are back, including our mate Eddie Stevens, who did point this. He, he made a similar point, and I did go and look at the BBC rugby page and was like, I just could not believe the lack of rugby. Premiership rugby or rugby championship rugby, which are the the main bits of rugby for British-based rugby fans. Well, you would have thought so, wouldn't you? So, um, uh, yeah, to answer this question as quickly as I possibly can. There is a concerted campaign, I think, uh, to make rugby into something which it isn't. I spoke about this last week. There are a bunch of people who will say things like, if we don't make head injuries front and centre of everything that we do, uh, the game will die. Well, simultaneously, well, that is killing the game, isn't it? Because <laughs> you know, if you're in re- week two of the rugby... Sorry, of... Of Premiership Rugby, and there's no Premiership match reports, or on the front page it is about head injuries. Well, then 
you know, you, you have undermined the whole game. So there are a ton of people now making a lot of noise that whether it be through, you know, amateur blogs or amateur podcasts, much like ourselves, but don't seem to like the game. And they're becoming increasingly more vocal and they're becoming stakeholders in rugby without actually having a stake in the game. And this is where we end up with. We end up talking ad nauseum about bloody head injuries. And well, maybe in the pro game there is an argument to say we need to discuss this. But then the knock-on effect in the amateur game is devastating. And they don't on, get it. They on, never on will. More, on a more basic uh, element of promoting the game, there was one interesting aspect. The biggest game of the weekend in the club point of view was two former champions and bitter rivals going head-to-head. And one of the teams were allowed all of their big-name players for their mm. first for their first game of the season in Saracens and arbitrarily one of the, you know, the pin-up boy face of English rugby at the moment was denied uh, his first game of the season. I thought Caden Murley got two tries. (laughs) 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 Caden Murley's a beast though, isn't he? He's an absolute monster. Which just leaves a slightly unsatisfying (laughs) thought as I, as I came away from the game, I thoroughly enjoyed Saracens, uh, Quinsby Saracens, but I was, I was, I couldn't help but think. Well, yeah, is, but but would Marcus Smith have meant that Quinns won that game? Mm, well, he's presumably worth more than three points. That's why he's paid so much. <laughs> You'd think so, yeah. If if you just, I know it's not as simple as that, but he is worth more than three points per game. Yeah, like the differential between him, even if you just, if you put it in pound notes, the differential between him and Tommaso Allen should be worth more than three points per game. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. I'm not saying they win. However, I, didn't we sort of discuss this with Ellis Genge? It's down to the clubs to decide when these boys play. No, well, oh, please enlighten me. So, and this, uh, from what I've seen, and Tim, you might have more details. Uh, Quinns were. They put out statements saying that they were disappointed because they applied. They can you can request um, early what? release from the RFU uh, from England Rugby, and evidently Saracens did apply for it and had it granted for multiple of their um, England players, including Billy Vodapola, Mario Toji, Owen Farrell, who were all heavily involved in the Australia tour. However, Quinns reportedly. Applied for it for Marcus Smith, and it was not granted. Well, and 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 the, and the people that make that call were some people from the RPA, some people from the RFU, some people from Premiership, and the RFU would involve would 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 include Eddie Jones and Conor O'Shea. Uh, uh, so the, the, between those three groups of people, they made the call and they decided: Marrow, Billy, Owen, yes; Marcus, no. And, El- and Ellis Genge and last, Ellis Genge, last yes. week with a week's less rest, and he was yeah. he was one of the most physical, most abrasive, and probably had one of the most minutes of last season as well. So it does seem it seems uh, odd. Yeah, it does seem odd. I mean, I'm sh- they must have had some very good reason why Marcus Smith couldn't, because that's if their objective is to both. Yes, you've got an eye on the World Cup, absolutely, but also these guys exist in an environment where their job is to play rugby. The objective of all of us is to get rugby played and seen Mm. by more and more people. And Marcus Smith, the Owen Farrell in that big derby. Yeah, it's exactly what you pay your money for. It's what you pay your money for. That's what the sponsors pay their money for. That's what BT pay their money for. That's what we all pay our money for. This has got to come to a head at some point. I understand that players need less rugby and I've been talking about having less rugby for a long, long time. We need less rugby. 
But I, I felt a little bit awkward about it regarding Ellis Genge last week. But there again, I thought if this is a club decision and they've got to give up minutes of Ellis Genge later on in the season to compensate for this, well, that's their decision, a tactical decision. They'll pay for it later. But when you're told you can't do it, it makes no sense. And also, when you're told you can't do it, looking at the players on display, it makes no sense. If you told me Marcus Smith is allowed to play because he's a fly half, but Mario and Billy are not allowed to play because we think they've had too many contacts, yeah, I, that both, makes sense. Both of whom had concussions late on in the season last year as well. Yeah. So that, that would make perfect sense. I would go, yeah, I can see there's some sports science behind that. But when you say the fly half can't it's, play, but the other fly half can, the more physical fly half can. Yeah. <laughs> older, more physical fly half can, but he can't. Yeah. So it I, looks, yeah. It's, there are times when rugby just does not help itself. With, I think with the communication, with the decision making, with the process, this is one of them. God. Yeah, because here we are, we're speculating as to why he couldn't. Yeah, play, yeah. Right? So, again, uh, as I've said before, everyone involved in Premiership Communications should be fired. Um, but it's another example. I wouldn't put this on Premiership Communications, but there is an argument here to say, if you've applied for your star player to play and he can't play, release the reasons why. Yeah, yeah. There should be... Cause Tell other, us. Otherwise, we just end up doing what we're doing and there'll be, there'll be lots of, particularly Quinn's fans at the game and elsewhere who will be having this exact debate at the moment. So Frank Skinner, I, I knew you were thinking about Frank Skinner, but oh, Frank Skinner always is a famous West Bromwich Albion fan, I believe. Mm. Is that right? Have I uh, that? He's, he's, yeah. yeah. And he used to say uh, that England, as in the England football team, was the premiership team for everybody who doesn't have a premiership team. Yeah, okay. Okay. So Get when that. he's you know when he's a West Brom fan, they've never been in the Premiership. He loved watching Alan Shearer and whatnot. And then Premiership teams don't really like England because when they get there, they can't really support Alan Shearer and they can't really support Stephen Gerrard if you're a United fan and, and whatnot. And they lose their players to him and players yeah. get injured on on England duty and all the rest of it. Well, I know England is by far the biggest beast in England. Um in terms of what people watch. But they've got to be careful because you don't want to be alienating the whole England programme to the Harlequins fans because, in my mind, it seems completely arbitrary. And that would really... If I thought Harlequins were in, and I was a Harlequins fan, and we were in with a chance of winning again, but the difference was three points at the end of the season because you kept Marcus Smith away from us and we lost out on that fourth place to Saracens, yeah, I'd be pretty annoyed. I'm not sure if I'd be quite as eager to support England in in. In the future, certainly well, not this regime. The, the, the reverse is also true. Like if I was, you could imagine a dad taking along his son to uh, to the stoop yesterday, and his son's got the Marcus Smith shirt on his back. And yeah. well, oh, okay, he's not there. The, the dad would might they might both feel just a little. I mean, it was a great game. They might, but just they might might both just feel a little cheated. And I'm, I think I'm right in saying, although I know you can't do strict like for like comparisons, but I believe the attendance comparatively is down on last year it is it is unfortunately um i'm not sure by how much but yeah it's not particularly good so exeter i said last week exeter sounded like it was up absolutely banging on the tv apparently in person it wasn't that was also partly due to the fact that leicester tigers fans couldn't get there some 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 traffic issues but yeah it seems like Premiership attendances are down. Mm. But, I mean, what do you expect? Yeah, the we way... need to look at that over a longer period of time to yeah. decide if that's a trend because it could just be an anomaly with yeah. the, the matchups and, and, and the fixtures. To be fair, and also, all good. Yeah, and, and also the um, the fact that games, multiple games have already been moved at very short notice. Correct, yeah. correct. 
yeah, but, um, correct. And if you compare it to the end of the season, you're taking out the av- the bringing up the average with the Twickenham spectaculars yeah. as well. So, and, yeah. and just on the positives, however, because that was that was a hell of a game. Uh, uh, it wasn't the stoop, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't the stoop. Yeah, but um, I, in 35 minutes, Alex Dombrand did enough to make me think, my goodness me, like he, he's this is an international class player, and equally. Then Billy Volopola put in an awesome shift that just made me so excited as an England fan. We've got two awesome number eights. Would you play them both? I'd just do an Australia. Just, yeah. just get, the, get the boys out. Yeah. Or kids well, in. Un, un, Underhill's injured and out, so there's, there's, there's a slot up for grabs. But well, no, I, 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 would have one as, I would have one from the bench. And then it's a decision. Is it, is it Alex Dombrandt cutting those lines and making things happen for... 20, 30 minutes at the end of a game, or is it Bill of Napola coming but, off the bench like a wrecking ball? Can I just say, though, well, the reason I prefer the Billy performance to the Dombrant performance is because next to Dombrant are two of the hardest workers on the flanks. So I absolutely love Will Evans. I, I, I absolutely love Ke- Kenningham. And I think when you've got those two boys being absolute pests everywhere, you can just focus on one thing. Um, Billy's got to share I, a lot of his work I, with. Um, I do understand. I do under- Well, no, like if you look ben at Billy Napola, his attacking stats were, were massive. His defensive stats, he, he doesn't need to, which is <laughs> quite similar to Don Brandt, I would say. I, I would also say there is no other number eight in the Premiership, even with Evans and Kenningham. And you're right, they are workhorses. They just cannot do what Alex Dombrant can do. He and had he, with, had, um... had he stayed on the field, Quinns win that by 10. Yeah, I'm saying. He, he does he's play. I don't know. He He's unique in what he does. Like, he does play with a, a sort of instinct, which I don't think many other mm. players have. There again, you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not in any way saying that you're wrong here at all. I just like to point out that in these back rows, I'm just thinking about them now. There are. It just demonstrates how many different ways there are to play back row, because there are two or three guys in this back, in, in this contest who I'd say are genuinely unique. Like, did you see the Theo McFarland highlights? I did. I don't yeah. think I've seen many highlights like that, particularly from a back row. Yeah. So that's one way to play it. Like Ben yeah. Earl is this weird hybrid of absolutely every, every shirt. He, he's like uh, a, a centre slash winger playing. Yeah, back row, but can yeah. tackle. But yeah, can jackal amazingly. Yeah, so you, you've got like those three who are all completely different. I don't... And then Will Evans and Kenningham are different again. Yeah, Will Evans is ph- phenomenal. But I love Kenningham. I, I love Kenningham because he, he loves to bang. Absolutely loves it. I, I'd love to see Dombrand and Billy. It, I don't think you can get them on the pitch at the same time. No, you can't. I they can't the be on the pitch at the same time. You yeah, can't. I think the trade-off is too great yeah. to get those two on the pitch at the same I'd love to try it. But I just don't think it can work. I don't think it no. can possibly work. Yeah, there's some players who I think actually compound each other's success. And I'd say putting Kenningham and uh, Evans on a field compound each other's success. Yeah, it's, it's like having Simmons and two massive kind of second row slash sixes. Yeah. They, it's just a great combination that works. But then, yeah, there are certain players that you need to have platforms for. Don Brandt is one of them. I mean, yeah. I couldn't imagine Don Brandt in a back row without much graft, if, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Someone's need, someone needs to be doing the other work for him somewhere. Yeah, and I, my, my concern with Don Brandt at International is he gets the time to think the way that he thinks in a premiership level. Mm. I just, I'm not sure I've seen him have a, a standout game and, and make those breaks 
at top level international. I can't recall it. Well, where I see it is he expo- it, he's, he exposes space brilliantly, yeah. better than anyone. Yeah. What happens when there's no space? Yeah, that that's basically my, the, yeah. the point, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas Billy, you know he's going to make some space at some point. Maybe that's why they play together. Billy makes him some space. I, th- I think <laughs> the way Quinn's organised things, and I think you would have to do this a little bit, and potentially with Billy and Alex Dombrandt as your two options, you can start to do this. But I think you need to actually build that, the way that the team plays around that. Mm-hmm. Like, like he started in, a, in, a, in an attacking sense, he started to do that with Marcus Smith actually quite often getting the ball out the back. So he's got a little bit more time. And that's one way you build a team around Marcus mm. Smith in an attacking fashion. And I think also in an attacking fashion, you might just go, right, we need to, our number eight is our is our focal point in attack. Because mm. like you say, Alex Dombrandt doesn't have to hit rucks all day and... Nope. No, nope. doesn't have. To, it doesn't have to be a defensive menace. Well, he just wouldn't. He it just, just wouldn't be effective, he, would it? It just you no. Wouldn't have the waste best. of his talent. Yeah. He can. He can float. And Billy Bonapola is the same. This was awesome. The, the rugby on show in this game was amazing. And Saracens, the way they came back, seventeen nil down, was it? Yep. Yep. Exactly. And they they are a million miles away from the team that some people used to get really annoyed by because they just did a, a very very efficient kick and chase and pressure yeah. defensive effort. They, their attack is awesome. Well, Nick Tompkins, uh, the way he changes direction is quite spectacular. Mm. I thought, tell you what I thought was very, very telling. And it wasn't a great bit of skill, but the quickness of Elliot Daly to score that try. Yeah. yeah. He just goes. I thought that that that, uh, that was awesome. Elliot and, Daly is, is looking good. He, yeah. And it's a weird one, isn't it? Because you don't see him much because of England. You assume an older back three player might be a little bit declining. Might not be the force he was in Wasps five years ago when he could run basically the length of the pitch and score. No, he's still pretty good. He's still got a lot of rugby left. Yes, he has. I would say this, though. Some of Harlequin's defence was disgusting. (laughs) Like, uh, it it was awful. It was absolutely awful. So, the, I think, Malin's try? Which were first or second? The uh, the first one when, uh, basically... (laughs) I think it's Tompkins cuts back inside and you just see one of the Harlequins guys ball watching, gives it to Malins around the outside, no problem. And then I think the last try of the game it must have been, they're attacking Harlequins line. and That's just, a Tompkins try. Oh my word, that was terrible. I yeah. mean, that is absolutely dreadful. And Harlequins, of course, have got a problem, haven't they? Because you know, all their coaches are just full-time staff now. So you can't just make... I mean, not that you'd want to, but if, if this continued, you'd want you'd want some answers because it was not good enough at times. Well, I think Quinns will be fine, absolutely fine this season. They've It was a stronger um, Saracens team than it was a Quinns team. Yep. I yep. think that's fair to say. They're missing, certainly their, their two star men, or arguably the three star men of their back line in terms of control and experience in... In Care Smith and Esther Hazen. Yeah. Esther Hazen's a good show. Yeah. Esther Hazen is a big, big loss in this kind of well, game. Well, I mean, you threw up. Well, I thought you were going to mention um, Lewis Liner then. I thought you were going to say. No. Because I don't, I don't think they're really missing him. So if you think about the absolute best players that Saracen's had in that back line, well, it's obvi- obviously Farrell, but then you've got four, uh, three more in Daly. Well, Daly, Malins, and Tompkins. Actually, Lazowski's bloody good. as well. They're all, they're all finish. Good. But that's why you'd want to see a Danny Kerr. Danny Kerr must be injured, I assume. 
Yeah, because you've not played either game. Yeah, so I'd like to see Danny Kerr in there. You, you, you've got you, you've got to see Smith. You've got to see Lewis Liner, and then ha- let them have a fair fight. That said, I think the equal of anyone in the Saracens backline is Joe Marchant, and he wasn't even that effective. He wasn't. Caden no. Murley. Two, was it two tries for Caden? Yeah, and I've I've got an apology to make for to Caden Murley because I I remember saying on the pod last year when we were having a, a debate, one of the many debates on Murley versus Liner. Yeah, and I said that uh, Liner appeared a bit more X Factor and a bit faster. To which I'm, I'm sure we got a response saying Caden Murley is the fastest man in the the Quinn squad. I can believe it. And that try, the breakaway try he scored, he looked like the fastest man in the Quinns. He looked like the fastest man on the pitch. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, we'll see if Caden Murley accepts your apology. Yes. Uh, I, you know, so well, uh, we'll go from there. Do you know what? I'll just applaud you for, for recognising when you're wrong, Phil, and <laughs> apologising. And uh, JB, JB can, you can you can do your Nick Tompkins one now if you want. Uh, yeah, I, I, well, I fully apologise. Well, it wasn't my fault. Nick Tompkins played <laughs> played at Dragons. You know, how, are we, how are we to know where great careers go to die? Not many, the, the ultimate sign of Nick Tompkins' class is he escaped the Dragons with his reputation. <laughs> but I do have an apology to make, actually, about a player that I got wrong. Go on. It would ter- it, it it seems that um huh, Rob Dupria is actually the second coming of Dan Carter. I don't know if you're aware of this. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's controlling everything. Everything goes through Rob Dupria. He's amazing. And he's with, the best fly half in the premiership currently playing. With a man down uh for most of the game. Did but, you see the red card? That to Not me, a red card. Yeah, that to me is a very, very soft red card. Agreed. I, I think. I think the initial contact was uh, kind of shoulder to shoulder, and because of the force of it, because of a much bigger man on a, a smaller man, there was a bit of a whiplash effect that meant the head came through, and then there was subsequent head contact. So, yeah, I would very, very happily have been penalty. I could tolerate a yellow card, but a red card seems too much in that. I completely agree. So, um. <sighs> I mean, I think we, I think we all agree we'd like to see Bath be better at rugby. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> doesn't seem to be happening though, does it? They've got a tough ask. I mean, it's they've got some interesting players. They've got some great players. However, the, what we spoke about a few weeks ago and last week was the the right thing for for Bath and Johan van Graan to build the team is to do the the old Saracens method, the sale method, the South Africa method. Start with your absolute basics, get a big pack, have kick chase, have control of the game. They've not got a team that's suited for that. So he can only work with the, the boys that he's got. And he's got some incredibly unique and interesting talents like across that back line. But they're not really suited to that kind of game. Yeah, Dave Atwood already looks like their most formidable player. <laughs> already. Like, I mean, obviously he's been there before, he's very experienced and he's a an absolute giant of a man, monstrous player. But he does seem to be the only forward that really scares people. Everyone else is just a bit... The forwards are a bit soft. The backs are a bit soft. I think that's probably hard. Yeah. I, th- I think it. we need to stop this trope with Bath about, look at the names in the squad. Look at the names in the squad. How can they not be better? Uh, I actually think... I, or genuinely, I, I think when, if, when you stack up their squad against other squads, and we've just talked about Quinns and Saracens, Bath are miles behind them. Well, yeah. So, my, I guess my point around the names is not 
No, no, I wasn't saying that that's what you were doing. I was yeah. just saying gen- generally that's been the that's been the cliche response. Look at the names in the squad. How can't they be better? I actually they've got a lot of mediocre players. They they do. That's so they've got mediocre players and they've also got players who it you they're going to find it difficult to play that basic gritty grinding type yeah. of rugby with Agreed. with these names and these players. Yeah. I also think that that goes both ways though because <coughs> For a long time, we were saying, look at the names of the players. Um, you know, they need to stop chasing big names. Well, mm. they have stopped chasing big names now. And now we're saying, hang on a minute, they've not got the big name players that they possibly need. So, well, no, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, I, I'm, I just was looking at their squad and I just think that there are, that they're in the right place. It's not that they've got great players. It, with the squad this season, if they finish near the bottom, which I suspect they will, in sort mm-hmm. of ninth, tenth, eleventh, um, they will not be, they will not be underperforming, based on based on the personnel they have in their squad. Yeah, I don't believe. I don't know. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. They're not losing. I mean, will Stewart is an England player, but is he the first choice England tight head? Uh, he was in he was Australia de- he was because decent in Australia. No, no, it, I, I, I like him, but I, he was in Australia because Sinks didn't travel. Yeah, so they'll lose him potentially. He, he, he will be in the twenty-three for England. They, they might lose um, Underhill. Well, he's out for the next three months. Is that what with yeah. the concussion? Or no shoulder? Is it? Jesus! Right. Okay. Well, that's rubbish. I didn't. I, I didn't actually realize that. But other than that, they, they don't lose as many as they used to, to to England. I think last year or the year before, they lost more than any other club. So I, you know, I think they've got a good chance to go forward because they don't have a star stud of their team as they once did. Yeah, and they're not, like, they're not losing Faletau and Priestland as, as examples of guys they've lost in the past. Yeah. Past or um, Francois Lowe, Francois Lowe for, yeah. as an ex- another example. I mean, Wesley White's not going anywhere. Josh, Josh Bay. Oh, Josh Baelish might, might, might go to Scotland. Mm. Redpath might, might go to Scotland. Maybe. But Jonathan Joseph won't. Tom de Glanville won't. Josh McNally's not. Dave Atwood won't. I mean, they've got... Sokla a lot. Singer might. Yeah. Might. Which I suppose is, is just emphasising the point I guess I'm kind of making. this. That's good for them. They can actually build something yeah. together yeah. over time. But equally, that demonstrates that I, I think any Bath fans expecting this squad to with any coach suddenly be a top mm. six or challenging for top four I just think it's not it's yeah, for the birds yeah. but, it's, a lo- yeah. it's a long um, objective well I think what your point you're trying to make Tim about um, maybe Phil made this point I'm getting confused but they don't have the players to actually execute the game plan that they want with their basics well yeah. that, that is, that's Phil's point right yeah. okay fine well, whoever it was um Coming up against a team like Sale will soon yeah. tell you if you're yes. physically up to the task. <laughs> and Sale can play 70-odd minutes with uh, a man down and they can still... Ex- Physically yeah. dominate Phil, them. Yeah, they've got their tight prop missing or a starting tight head missing. They've got one man down from the pack for the whole game and they can still bully that bad well, side. What's, in, what's encouraging about Sale and Everything. I, think I'm, I'm, I think I might be wrong in my pre-season prediction, significantly wrong as well, is... is because they're doing a lot more than that physicality. They're, they're much, much more than that. There's a lot more balance in their play, and it's really good to see. Sam James. Sam James is the boy. 
Some James Tom O'Flaherty, I think, has been Tom O'Flaherty mega in this. Yeah, I can, couldn't agree more. So they I get was, him on the ball a lot. Mm. I was not a fan of his signing. I didn't think he was going to bring much. I I couldn't be more wrong about him. I think I mean, we're only two games into the O'Flaherty era, which is what it'll be called now at Sale. <laughs> but he looks brilliant. He looks absolutely brilliant. But yeah, some is, James is the Diamond Lane going to get renamed the O'Flaherty Lane? Yeah, <laughs> almost From the certainly. Centre round to the AJ Bell. Yeah. Well, so. Um, just on our predictions, I've just opened up the uh, posterity record. And Tim, you and I, we, we predicted sales to finish uh, eighth and ninth, respectively. JB was optimistic for his beloved sale and said they'd sneak into the top four. There we go. There we go. Told you, boys. Um, I told <laughs> and you- sale are currently top of the league with two bonus point wins. They're the only team on 10 points. Well. I don't know if you've noticed this, but this year's league after two games looks very much like our prediction for last year's league. We were just a, we were just a year, year late. Behind, a year behind. Can't believe it. But yeah. I mean, uh, just, just, just a quick email here from... Um, hold on. It is from Blair Baffan, mm-hmm. who says, uh, well, that was embarrassing. <laughs> it was. Um, he, he took his son, Miles. Paul. Did, uh, he, did, he said, buy, did, did he buy a sale kit? <laughs> who said um, he said uh, my son Miles nailed it he said Bath might be poor but it's still a great day out and I'd rather watch rugby at the wreck than Ashton Gate or anywhere else yeah well then we'll yeah, see, that, we'll that see is a great some, point yeah that's a great point we'll see some great games so let's just be rugby fans and see out this messy blip he says the general consensus in the Thatcher's stand is we don't play as a team but we have some great potential need a bit of a clear out and a new culture fans were resigned yeah, um, well, they've yeah. got the new culture. It's here, isn't it? Well, mind you, the director of culture is still in the building. But yeah, I mean, just to emphasise sales dominance here, they played most of the game with a red card. They had a red card and a yellow card at one point, and the Dupree boys in particular, and one of the Currys. I mean, there's one clip of a breakdown where they just get manhandled. I mean, it's said I've got Johnny Hill on the team, and Johnny Hill's not even the most physical bloke in that pack, and he's a bloody physical guy. You know, he gave Exeter the physicality. So the way that they're playing at the moment and the strength that they have coming off the bench, I mean, I, I can't believe I overlooked them, actually. They, they I, look I, I, brilliant. Jamie, you, you and I both predicted Sale to win the whole thing last year, and I'm looking at Sale now and going, this is why I... Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Predicted. Yes. The way they're playing now is why I predict. Because it's, uh, apart from O'Flaherty, and you mentioned Johnny Hill, but it's not a great deal different. And what the way they're playing now is why I predicted them to win last year. Mm. You were just a year too early. That's all it was. Yeah. Same as being wrong. I don't think they'll ever lose another game. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you on that. Yeah. Now, in, in addition to the, the return of some, some great players that we were talking about earlier with the Saracens game, there's been another massive, huge 
return to the Premiership. Here Massive. Ooh. Exeter Chiefs try celebration. Oh, oh yes. What what is this? Uh, well, first thing to say is it don't get too excited. It's not a cock tap. Mm. Mm. Okay. Disappointingly. But, but I but think it, the cock tap would have been COVID, more COVID compliant than what they've come up with though. <laughs> yeah, what they're what they're doing now is a, a face rub. Yeah, that's not COVID compliant. <laughs> like that do you remember that tango advert? Yeah. Do you, you know do you, you've been tangoed? It was a bit it's a bit like that. Do you know why this thing is happening? No, I want to know the story behind it. Do you know, Jay? No, I, I, I do not. Shall I try and find out? Yes, please. Okay. Yeah, try and find out. Well, let's wildly speculate in the meantime. Yes. So I remember when I was at school and uh, like, like you know, boys will be boys and quite often someone would like rub their hand on their balls and then do that face rub to you. <laughs> banter. Absolute banter. <laughs> Nobeds. Um, so that was one mild form of bullying that I remember from childhood. So I don't, I doubt very much they're doing that before they do a face rub. <laughs> they might be. I'd hope not. A self cock tap and then face rub. Yeah, maybe that may. Well, no. it doesn't really matter as long as they're raising awareness for something. It's fine, isn't it? You can do, what, do whatever you want. But did, did the cock tap come? What, what was? How did the cock tap come about? Testicular cancer awareness. Obviously. Was it really? Yeah, yeah. Seriously. So I asked um, Kai Horseman about this. So yeah, yeah. So it started as, um, you know, uh, a bit of... Uh, yeah, check yours. A bit of awareness. And it yeah. just grew up into this monster. And in the end, the lads were uh, avoiding scoring tries in training. <laughs> and they're like, oh, mustn't must like scoring tries. It's weird. Uh, and I in mean, the end, they're like, yeah, it's developed into something a little bit more than what it was meant to be. Let's get rid of it. I mean, if, if, I, got caught, <laughs> if I got caught doing something um, wholly inappropriate in public... I would say I was doing it for charity. Is this what you do at, at Langs? <laughs> it's exactly what with all, I, like with all your team. It's exactly what I do. Yeah. So my favourite, my favourite um, moments in the extra cock tap life cycle was when they were trying to hide the cock tap from yes. public view, but was still <laughs> doing it. Everyone so piles on. Right. <laughs> yeah. and like one we'll one elbow, <laughs> one elbow just vigorously going up and down <laughs> at the f- bottom of a pile of bodies. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was quite incredible when they tried hiding it because, like, you'd be watching the um, you'd be watching the highlights on a Sunday evening. And like, did I just? Did it just? And because it, you couldn't see the whole thing, and extra wouldn't be televised in the early days, and just flip away. I remember Kerry Sweeney getting into some bother. But I, but I guess my broader point with this is it does speak to extra chiefs rediscovering a, a certain something which I, I do think they have having watched them over the last couple of weeks i think they look fitter they look at they look like they're really enjoying themselves there's just a bit of that chiefsiness that we've come to know and love over the years that's they, back a lot yeah definitely they are definitely looking like a better team now what i will say in this game worcester fair play to them because mm. they they didn't make it chiefs did well they finished some of their tries beautifully Capstick, um, Capstick Legend. popping up out on the wing was very, very nice. He I told you'd be good. Using him intelligently. But Worcester didn't make it easy for them. Worcester, they were unlucky not to get anything out of this game. Um, for the second time in a row, well, less so last week, but um, they they probably deserved, I would have loved to see them get a fourth try or a losing bonus point. Yeah. Because they, they're going through some stuff at the moment. And Well, it's hard to say, isn't it? You look at the team that they're putting out, 
And I don't think it strengthens. You know, you look at all the other teams and they have lots of lads to come back in. Exeter would be in that league, wouldn't they? You know, Exeter would definitely come in. They've definitely. got uh, Hoggy. Hogg. They've got Simmons, Sam Simmons to come back in. Yeah, you, you know, I, I think they've uh, from Ireland to come back in. Yeah. Cowan Dickey to come back in. Uh, I forgot about him. Yeah, so quite a few. Yeah. Harry Williams. Yeah. yeah, Exeter gets quite a bit stronger. Whereas for Worcester, this is it. So when they start rotating, I imagine these are going to well, be cricket scores. And the moment you can play one game, can't you, or, or a couple of games high on emotion, they which could, is where they are. There's a couple of guys that could come back in. So theoretically, unless they've already torn up the contract, like uh, what's the name of the Kyle Hatherall? Hatherall. He's in France. Yeah, he's trying to be in France. Yeah, but like Duan van der Merwe. Who's trying to be in France? He could come Rory back in. Sutherland. Yeah, do Sutherland would make a difference. Ted, actually, Ted Hill. So we bring the three of those back in. It, I mean, it doesn't change the overarching trajectory, but it's it's a stronger team. Yeah. And you know who they've got next week? Uh, someone tough, Saracens. Haven't they got Newcastle? Oh, have Ooh. they? I think it's Worcester v Newcastle. I think they might be at home as well. Yeah, but Newcastle, in their two games that they've lost so far, have actually shown me some really good things. So Worcester, actually, to be fair. Yeah, yeah definitely. They, they well, uh, but I th- right. just, just to touch on where we're at with Worcester, yeah. um, it was quite interesting, the the statement that Worcester made, <laughs> and then Steve Diamond's response to the statement. Yeah. It, very interesting. I, I quite enjoyed the openness and honesty of Steve Diamond on, uh, it was on Rugby Tonight, wasn't it? Or they, it was the post-match stuff on Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah, ve- incredibly honest. Because um, there's, so let, let's let's go through what's happened. There was a statement released on the Twitter account by the staff that was quickly deleted about um, not receiving pay, etc. The staff has said, I believe the staff have said the game that they worked on uh, Sunday to make sure that went ahead will be the last one that they work unless they are made whole, i.e. the um, 35% that they are missing from their August pay slips mm-hmm. um, is made whole and obviously guarantees of September pay slips, which will be due in a week or two's time. Um, there is talk of a buyer. The, the two owners, Goldrich and... Uh, I can't remember the other guy's name. They, yeah, that's that's the buyer that was going to be done by Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah, so they've made a statement saying they've got heads of terms agreed and it includes an injection of cash to do the two things I mentioned before, RE, um, players and staff's wages, salaries. Um, but no one knows who, no one seems to know who the buyer is, including, I think I'm right in saying this, including Steve Diamond, who doesn't know yeah. who the buyer is. Which would make me very nervous, because <laughs> I, I'm not that certain. There's that many people who are going to be willing to stump up whatever fourteen million pounds to make the uh, creditors whole prior to then having fun with Worcester Warriors Rugby Club. And who would have only had a discussion with the current owners, and in no way would have made themselves known or even an inkling with people at the club outside of that this was yeah this was yeah. getting ridiculous as far as i'm concerned um i think they should have put them out of their misery i really do I, it's horrible for the staff and i you know god knows i respect steve diamond an enormous amount massively uh, as massively. well as i do all the players and everyone who wants to get this involved but you've got to think of the league and 
we're two games into it now. Are these games going to be null and void if was to go? You know, how, but, yeah. how how does this how does this pan out? The league is almost making a rod for its own back. Where they, sh- I wouldn't be surprised if the league, not Premiership PRL directly, but every other owner or CVC or somebody, has to put their hand in their own pocket to bail them out for the rest of the season because having Worcester stop playing three games or four games in is the nightmare scenario. It is, but unless... So you can't just kick a, a club out of the league unless something has happened. Like if, no. if they are actually insolvent, as in they they are they've, the winding up order has been executed, they are in formal insolvency proceedings, i.e. liquidation or administration, that would be... The, the, my assumption is the... the um, the the rules of the contract, um, the rules of the league, would need a formal trigger like that to kick them out of the league. Right. I, so I, look at. Yeah. Can I? Can I oh, so go on, Jay. What you, what you got I, there? Sorry, I was just feeling. Uh, uh, I was just starting to get very angry. Then I'm thinking about the CVC deal, right? So the CVC deal is effectively we'll take. All, it's a securitization deal, isn't it, of the central central revenues? They'll take some of the central revenues, but they won't take on any any of the liabilities, and. I you know almost I just almost hope the whole thing falls down and that the biggest people damaged here are CVC. I really do, I really do. Uh, since they've taken over, we've not seen much in the way of their input because we were told that they were going to be geniuses that are going to solve everything. I knew, I knew personally, yeah, we, I knew this. We spoke true. about it. We spoke yeah. about it. Like they're, they're yeah. So, unless it's cast in stone, written down, contractually obliged, you might get nothing out of CVC except lose. Using seventeen percent of your commercial rights. Yeah, exactly right. So, I I wonder if it's getting to a point now that maybe CVC or someone links them is going to have to put their hands so, in pocket and just get Worcester through this. Something's got to happen. Why do Worcester deserve cash and no other club? Mm. Uh, well, I would say that they'd have to draw up a lot of rules around this. Like, if you go into special administration when you, the season finishes, all your player contracts end. You get kicked out of the league, but they cannot not finish the league with without the you know the amount of teams which they have. Well, here's a here's a like, like it's again. This is an awful situation for Worcester fans, players, staff, all the rest of it. There is one. It's not a silver lining. That's not what I mean. Well, no, no, yeah, it is. One silver lining has come out of this week because Worcester struggled to get their safety certificate sorted they were left with a situation where the safety people could only sign off the Worcester ground as being safe for up to 5,000 people and the RFU realising very quickly and Premiership Rugby realising very quickly how bad that would look given that Ealing were not allowed to come up (laughs) because they didn't have a ground capacity of 10,000 they very quickly went, oh, by the way, uh, and this was before the Worcester safety certificate was signed off and the game went ahead. They went, oh, oh by the way, we're going to change the rules actually for the Premiership so you can come up uh, with, with a ground of 5,000. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with anything else that's going on. Oh, by the way, Worcester only only got a crowd of 4,999 this, this weekend. Jokes. Absolute jokes. I, it does disturb me more that you need a health a health certificate to bloody play a game of rugby. You know, that does, you know, I, th- some... I think that might just be a putting on any public event. It might be yeah. one of those regulations for any event festival I, just find it, I find it bizarre you whatever. can't just find someone else to write you a certificate then 
Uh, yeah, I don't know or, or use, fill it in yourself. Use a previous one. I, I understand why the certificate happens if you've got five or ten thousand people in a in a space and there's a fire. I understand why why you would want to have um, good escape routes. It might for be example. necessary for insurance. Purposes. Yeah, yeah but sure, surely but last week's was fine. Yeah, that, 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 that's yeah. that's I don't know. That's the bit that, well, this, that this is their me. first home game, isn't it? They're not yeah. the first ever one. I mean, there, 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 <laughs> no. you know, there must be some some ideas of how to run a uh, you know, a game without. You know, massive tragedy in Worcester. Point being, though, point being, though, Doncaster, Ealing, Cornish Pirates, all Notting, all these clubs can now actually one giant barrier, a ridiculous barrier when you look at the attendance of clubs like Sale and Newcastle and Worcester. Anyway, but one giant barrier. Hey, hey, hey! Is just gone. on that, just on that. Let me t- let me tell you something. Prior to COVID, uh, Sale had the largest percentage growth of any team in the country um when it came to when 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 it came to attendance fyi and 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 out of 13 clubs what was their what was their average attendance in 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 a league in a league table growing fast (laughs) if you got if you got one fan and you on week one and week two you have two fans that's 100 percent growth that is absolutely correct phil that's absolutely correct (laughs) they were well above one fan I'll, I'll, i'll have you know so um, I just want I want to be making that very very clear. Things were going swimmingly prior to, prior to COVID. No, understood. But that's that that for me. I, I'm delighted. Are you not a little bit worried though? I mean, I w- I wouldn't count your chickens too quickly, Tim. Because if they change, they're going to let any other club come yeah, up. Yeah. If they changed yeah. it on a Tuesday, my guess is they'll change it next Wednesday back. <laughs> I mean, if it's that easy, if it you know. Yeah, they will just change it back, surely. Well, I'm, I, so I'm I'm about five miles away from Penzance right now, and if you want a, if you want something sustainable, uh, well, Cornwall could keep could make rugby sustainable down here. Could it? I mean, I'd like to think it, it could. Could it? It's a big following. If you get the right poorest, poorest county in the country, though. Yeah, it's a big and, ass, and it's and it's everywhere in Cornwall is hard to get to. Yeah, yeah. Get to it by boat. Yeah, uh, maybe. Now you're talking. Yeah. Um, if you if you have the game, well, if you have this, if you have it on a battleship. Yes, exactly. Well, this is my oh. plan for COVID. My, yeah. my my plan for COVID was the best one of them all, which is if you don't need fans, you don't need stadiums. Go literally play on the deck of Queen Elizabeth and all of these unique places. But no, no one listen to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, With you. Tiny bit of other news. Um, Obviously, you saw my beloved Ulster smashed um, Connacht. Hammered them. Yeah. With an incredible try uh, for Marshall, um, but set up by the boy McCloskey. Mm. Um, Now, neither of those two in it, but did you see the... I mean, it is ridiculous. The Emerging Island squad that came out this week. Now, it's ridiculous that... um, well, all the island teams are losing uh, half a dozen or more players, uh, <laughs> a good chunk of whom would be first choice, first team players. Um, it's just into the start of the season for like a B team friendly series. Yes, it's ridiculous. It is on yeah. par with uh, some of the decisions made by Premiership Rugby and. I'm glad you mentioned this because I wanted to bring up the, U- the start of the URC season. I actually watched some highlights of it. I watched mm. the highlights of the uh, Munster Cardiff game. I was pleasantly uh, pleasantly strong, impressed. Strong team for Cardiff. Yeah, very much so. But that's the point, isn't it? 
their opening weekend, they've got all their boys out. You know, uh, well, <laughs> speak to, check the Leinster team sheet before you say all the boys. Oh, uh, yeah. well, certainly the Welsh teams had. Yeah, so Welsh teams had Falatau, um Liam Williams, Liam Josh Will- Adams, just everyone. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they were good to go. Same with the Ospreys. Same with the Scarlets. Don't know about the fourth team in Wales, um, but yeah, that's how it should be. That's exactly how it should should be. I think Ireland taking away from the URC as they do just shows complete disregard for it. Well, some of the players in this, so I, I only really know, other than kind of the names that everyone knows, but I only really know in any detail some of the Ulster lads who are in this. I think Ulster have contributed nine. There's some really talented boys in when there. When is it going? Uh, it's three games. It's, I think it's 30th, 5th and 9th of, 30th of September and then 5th and 9th of uh, October. And they play like a little round-robin type tournament uh, in Bloemfontein with the Curry Cup teams. Pointless. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It is. It does seem ridiculous. I mean, it, it's prioritising this over the URC yeah. is another thing that kind of calls into question. I mean, like URC, URC could be a great league, but it's just another thing that calls into question the credibility of the league. Yeah, so there's a couple of things now. Like, do they think Emerging Island is going to give these boys more and high-level experience than the URC. What does it say about what they think about the URC as a competition? Mm. And also, Emerging Island will probably never play again for another five years. So it's not as if Emerging Island themselves are going to the World Cup. They're not. So what's the point in this? The, the point seems to be like looking at combinations or a slightly better, closer look at some of these young lads to see if any of them have the potential to break in. But surely you can do that. If the URC yeah. is, is the competition you want it to be... That's that will be a and they all play on purpose in four really strong Irish provinces. That's mm. the idea. You know, Ireland could maybe they couldn't with Connacht, but I, I, I suspect which they are could. which are. Let's not forget under the governance of the IRFU, yeah. which yes. is the point. If if they're exactly that, that's that's what I don't get. They've got yeah. access; they can get the coaches in as much as they want. Exactly. Yeah, and so it's just it's just crazy. Ireland could definitely raise an, an all Leinster team. They could probably raise nearly an all Leinster team and a nearly all Ulster team at legitimate test level. What can't these lads learn with the with those clubs? And yeah, I, the only exactly. reason I've not mentioned Connacht is I just don't know their squad so well. But I'm sure they've got an, an equally as you know talent talented squad there. Yeah. Like, cheers for putting that on the radar, Phil. I wasn't aware of it. But yeah, um, it's it's odd. But what I will just say. Of the guys that I know from the from the Ulster team, there are some serious ballers. So, everyone that all of us know is Robbie Balakoon. Not emerging. Who is not emerging, but he's not yet. He might have one or two caps for Ireland, but he's not quite broken in. But this is ridiculous. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. He's ridiculous because he's had some of his best games in European Cup. Yes. So yeah, yeah. why does he need to go and play well, the Curry Cup? Away, away at Toulouse. Yeah, you can't get more of an international caliber well, environment than that. You know, this, this, is how you, this is how you cement your quarterfinal World Cup spot. So well done, Ireland. <laughs> Maybe good work. But the, the other guys I mentioned, so um, two young scrum halves. One who you probably know in uh, Nathan Doak, who oh, yeah. played this weekend, scored a try. Um, one you might not know, who's Michael McDonald, who is nope. young. Um, I think he's Australian born or Australian grown up. Um, oh, that surprises! That, that's unusual. Shocking! For, uh, shocking for Ireland. Who who looks quite handy? Um, 
Then in the pack, there's two two guys. One who played, I think he scored this weekend. Tom Stewart is a young hooker. He did score off the back of them all. Very Robbie Herring of him. Um, so young hooker, Tom Stewart, who looks handy. And um, he played against Exeter and he played, came off the bench this week. Cormac Izu, Izu Chukwu. Uh, Cormac Izu Chukwu. Oh, yeah, from um, County Mayo or somewhere. So, well, so Cormac. Yep. Irish name. Yep. Izu Chukwu. It must be. Not I'm, Irish name. I think that name is Nigerian. So, he was born in London. Yeah. To a Nigerian father. Get in. And an Irish uh, mother. There we go. And moved back to Ireland when he was uh, six or seven. He is a big, strong boy. Is he? he he's, big, he's, nice. He stands out in, when he was playing. Like, what position? Second row. Six foot seven. Hello. 19 stone. And he looks, he's, he's 22. And he stands out for his size. Hang on. Who's he play for? Ulster. I've not seen him play. Have you seen him play? Have yeah, you seen him play? Played, against, played against Exeter and he came off the bench this week. Wow. Wow. So quite a, quite an exciting player. So there's there's a few good options of the guys I know and I'm, I have absolutely no doubt that the the young Munster, Connacht and Leinster boys are including actually one name who played in the Premiership. One name that played in the Premiership. One name that played in the Premiership. Hmm. Give me... So, so he plays for Munster now. Oh, oh no! Can't possibly be because they're quite old now. Um, Healy, um, Mike Haley, Mike no, Haley, can't be him. It's not Mike Haley. Oh, Matt Gallagher. No, no, um, he's a he's he's at Bath now. Oh, is he? Uh, Cillian Parker's back in the Premiership. He went to Munster from Bristol. It's Munster from Bristol. Oh, uh, French guy. Yes, Antoine Frisch. Yes. Who, oh, yeah, good centre. Yeah, yeah good. quite interesting. But good. then he, he was English qualified and Irish qualified, so he went had a little double in Bristol, uh, as, as, as well, of course, being uh, France qualified, because he is French. So what he should not do is play, for, play international. And the reason I say that is, if he gets one cap for Ireland, that's nice, but just stay Irish qualified, but also stay English qualified, you can go back and forth as many times as you want. Mm. Um, being EPP maybe, is very, very valuable. Maybe he wants to sit in 40 years' time and he wants to show a, I was going to say a medal, but you don't get a medal for World Cup quarterfinal, do you? No, they Maybe don't, he wants to show his, his six, a Six Nations Grand Slam winning medal to a to a grandchild sat on his knee. He, he, like maybe something's more valuable, JB. He, what, want, he, he wants to play for France. He wants to show... The Toyota Challenge 2022 medal that he won in Bloemfontein. Yeah, that's what he be- wants. Beating the Curry Cup teams. Yeah. Uh, or maybe they'll do another Mushroom Cup. This has, is this going to be a capture team? I, do, I was just thinking that. I don't know whether their capture team is uh, under 20s. Because they've we'll, got, we'll, got we'll Wolf, get back to you. We'll get back to you on that. We've got, yeah. we've got so much rugby we need to get through, and we've been going so long already. So. <laughs> well, that's not long enough. Let's, what, so what are the, what are the well, games? Well, no, I, I, I just, Bristol, uh, Bristol played. Email here. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Uh, email here just from Sam Brushett. It's just, there's a lot of people that had a lot of toil, and I imagine a bunch of our listeners would have had this, trying to get Rugby World Cup tickets. Oh, mm. yes. So I just thought I'd recognise the pain that people have gone through. Um, Sam... Brushett got in touch and he managed to get some tickets. Oh, but good work. One thing, he, one thing he did notice was, well, the ridiculous queuing system that everyone had to navigate. 
but then on, on actually getting through and on closer inspection, 50% of all allocated tickets have a minimum price of €300. Euro, oh, nice. Wow. Which is, yeah, it, that's quite an ex- well, I understand it's an exclusive event, but mm. fifth, that, that greater proportion of that expensive tickets feels a bit dirty. Uh, not not if they sell. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a tough one. It is a tough one because you're right. There's if they sell, they should have charged more for them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they want to be broadly speaking ninety five percent full. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you you are right, Tim. Like you you want it to be accessible, and accessible can come in two ways: one, making it cheaper, and two, just having a website that works and allows you yeah, to buy that, tickets without a twelve hour queue. Yeah. What. I can't understand the benefit of the 12-hour queue system. Can you? It's, it appears... So I, I've not tried to get tickets for um, France 23. Is it to avoid I, touts, maybe? I got... I don't... I think it's just old software. I've, so I did it on multiple occasions. I spent days queuing to get tickets for Japan. It was painful. But they they, they it, 100% could be better software, like well, an improved situation. So we've done live shows in the past, and we used Belletto or whatever it was. Yeah. And you just, whoever wants tickets can buy tickets until they sell out. And I don't understand why Why would anyone need a queue. There must well, be a reason for the queue. There so there's, so there's, got, there's got to be a reason. That yeah. But, but they can certainly do better than they, they have done. Yeah. I, I, so the queue... You'll need it because if there's a hundred thousand people trying to buy ten thousand tickets, there's going to be ten thousand in the morning. There's going to be some way of um, sorting that out. So all hundred thousand people can't at the exact same moment load them into their basket and click buy at the same time. But they could over two minutes or three minutes. That window of time might be too fast. But yeah, um, but yeah, I, there's definitely well, the, a, there's definitely a better way. Well, the London Stock Exchange works. <laughs> There is a better way. Mm. But yeah. It, so yeah, we, so yeah, we, we, we recognise and we feel your pain. And we do. if it makes you feel better, basically, our, I think generally our plan is actually we'll probably be in an Irish bar in the town and it'll be, <laughs> it'll be far better. Be yes. far, but easier to get a drink. Yeah. Uh, certainly More. during the game it will be. Yeah. Yeah, because well, you, 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 when you went to Japan, you have the, only the vaguest memories of the rugby actually on the field. Now, I very much blame the Japanese authorities for allowing Strong Zero to be shown, uh, sold in stadiums for that. Exactly. <laughs> it's an irresponsible decision. It should be illegal. Um, so, Exeter. Exeter. The, ha- the face rubbing. Yes. It is, quotes... There is not much behind it other than Jack Yendel being Jack Yendel and starting an annoying trend. <laughs> Fair enough. There we go. Perfect. Love it. Perfect. Um, right. Uh, other other games. Bristol. So lots of stuff stood out for me on this one. But I'd like your take on this particular thing. They had Elliot Stook commentating with David Flatman. Brilliant, uh, brilliant duo. Mm. But... On Premiership Rugby TV, not on the telly, was it? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sheedy kicked, kicked the goal, and Stook referred to him as Shido. Shido. Do you think that when your name's Sheedy, you need to, you need to change it to Shido? <laughs> uh, probably not. 
Not really saving not. any time with that one, are you? Not really, no. It's <laughs> literally just changing his name. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Auss- that's what Aussies do with everything. Although they actually save time when they're doing it. Like uh, bin man is Garbo, service station servo. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then and then like a beer tinny. Well, or a stubby. Bobby Bobby Valentine. Bobby V. Bobby V is a classic. If you really want to shorten it, just go with the the V. Yeah. I mean, don't go, don't, you know. So she, she'd reduce it to one syllable. She'd, oh, yeah, or she'd, she'd, she, 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 she nailed it. She nailed it, yeah. So I don't know what what, what, what that's about. But no, can can I just say on this game, just say on this game, well, no, just on Bristol, are you, this is a Bristol team that have got a lot more about them. They're defying your... Sadly, they are. Because they've got some metal because they had to absorb everything Wasps threw at them. You look at the score and you think, oh, Bristol won that comfortably. Bristol hardly had the ball. They defended most of the game and were nails. Yeah, and that says something because I looked at the Wasps team and I thought, hmm, these guys can play a bit, particularly that back five of the pack. Launch Bree McDonald, Willis, Willis and Barbary. That's a handful for anybody. Mm. So, yeah, I agree with you. They did very well. I think what Bristol have got this year, which they didn't last year, is they've got their attacking shape back, but they're doing it with some intent. Last year they looked rubbish. It was predictable, it was slow, but now they seem to be moving those parts... Uh, into position much more, much more effectively. And Marcus Bradbury has—is it Marcus? Is not Magnus. 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 Bradbury has scored two two tries in uh, mm. two two games. So decent signing. Yeah, everyone in the starting Bristol pack made double figures for tackles. Bloody hell! In this game, so yeah. that that is a shift. Yeah, that's a good good sign. And and wasps. I mean, a lot this, of love. This is the this is the poor. Um, element for Wasps. Wasps ran for 718 metres in this game. Which yeah, it's is like a, Tom Willis got about, a, got about a quarter of them. Yes, he did, didn't he? Did, what, he beat like 11 players that ridiculous. <laughs> he he beat uh, 10, 139 metres, um, yeah. three clean breaks, 10, although, God, that pass that he tried to throw to um, Nizam Kar yes, down the right one. wing. He kind of looked and then didn't look before he threw the pass. Looked a second later, tried to throw the pass. Shop shut. Very much so. Uh, I really like Berger Olden... Odendahl. Odendahl. He is a real signing. Mm. He he plays very, very nicely. Um, yeah, big, big, big fan. Another very good South African centre that's just just off the international... T- just just outside the international team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's a miniature... Um, Esther Hazen. Esther Hazen. He's not quite as big, yeah. is he? But Wasps looking, I say in good shape. Their, their absolute collapse last week gave me questions. And this, not to, to do so much, but not finish it off. Yeah. But like the raw, I don't know. It's a tough one, Wasps. I, I feel that they, when they get it right, they're going to give someone a bit of a hiding. But they've not got it right. Yes. Yeah. I still believe in what they do, though. I still believe in the coaching. I still believe in their general strategy, which would be pests around the breakdown and play quite expansively going forward hmm. that's unless I've missed anything out which I don't think I have I think that's exactly what Wasps want to do pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what so Bristol have beaten a bad Bath team uh, yes and have come up against Wasp team which are kind of all uh, all out of sorts who have they got next? is it it's not Tigers next is it for them 
Ooh, I think no it's, no, it's Northampton Tigers. Bristol hosts London Irish next week. Well, we'll soon find out if they can defend against Lon- against London Irish. Well, a team that can defend against London Irish is Northampton. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. this game. Yeah, I'm, I was a bit surprised, especially with uh, Bigger dropping out not long before kickoff. I was surprised that Northampton found it. Well, it, I'm not wrong to say they found it relatively easy. Yeah, great. Uh, good. They started, I'd say, and made it look relatively easy. Then they let uh, London Irish come back in, and you've got to remember they also played against London Irish, who had almost as much time with 14 men as Sale did, <laughs> uh, and quite frequently they had thir- 13 men, which you know, which, which is a real killer. So I think Arundel, Pearson, Simmons, and someone else got a yellow card as well. Did they not? I think it's those. Oh three. no, no, it's just those three. It's those three. Because Grayson got yellow as well, didn't he? Yeah. Wouldn't have, I don't, don't think it would have made a uh, difference to the. But like you say, Northampton looked solid. It was they, good. They looked good, and Alex Mitchell looked great. He was when, great. He, when he first got called up to England, uh, it's probably two or three years ago. There's a little bit of a question in my mind. There's probably. There's, I don't think there is anymore. I think he's a great player. Do you know my only issue with him? Go on. Uh, I d- I think it's his fitness. I've I've seen him fade in matches before, and I think that's something to do with the way Northampton play as well, because he is always sprinting to breakdowns because they need to move the ball so so quick. Now, I don't know if he's less or more fit than anyone else, but they certainly need someone else of equal calibre to back him up. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if you play scrum off for sale, or, <laughs> you know, Leicester... I mean, Leicester's a classic. You don't... I mean... The, the scrum halves at Leicester are very fit, very very fit, but you don't need to be running around like Alex Mitchell. No, that is very true. Yeah, um, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Uh, I would also just say that Arundel is awesome. Not only did he score, he had one disallowed as well, and he got the offload for the Will Joseph try, and he also ran for I think this, the <laughs> highest in the league, 174 meters. How does this happen? The guy's ridiculous. Yes. He's, FR, he's FRD dynamite. Yes. Um, although his yellow card didn't help. No, <laughs> but, that's true. But... I think that in after two rounds of fancy rugby draft, top scorer. Have a have a guess. Ooh, good question. And this is for this isn't best player. This is meters made, defenders beaten, turnovers won, tries that sort of thing. Who scored multiple tries? Oh, Flaherty? He scored three tries in two games, is it? Marcus Any Bradbury. Magnus Bradbury. Magnus. Magnus. Yeah, he won't um, have done he won't have done as much. Willis. Joe Simmons. Joe oh, Simmons. Because he's playing fifteen and he's still kicking and he's scoring tries and getting assists. That's he's beaten, interesting. He's beaten, he's beaten seven defenders and made a few clean breaks as well. Very nice, uh, and then and then it's Henry Arundel. <laughs> nice, who's only played one and a quarter games, <laughs> exactly, and been yellow carded. And yes, and, and he's got minus seven <laughs> points in there. Ridiculous. Uh, then it's Charlie Atkinson, which shows you that wasps are really going for it. Yeah, uh, and he, Ollie Hassel, Ollie Hassel Collins. Yeah, Ollie Lo- Ollie Lawrence. Lo- yeah, wow. Tom Collins, Tyrone Green. All back so far. The top scoring forward is Alex Dombrandt, and then um, the highest halfback by a mile, who are notoriously don't actually score that high. But Alex Mitchell is there in the top yeah, ten. There you go. I can see that. 
That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and also, that England nine shirt does feel like it's ready to be turned over to someone on a full-time basis. Mm. There again, I thought um, Youngs did, 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 did all right this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got... We got I, can't, I can't remember whether it was an email or a tweet. We got some criticism for our constant uh, berating of Tom Young... Uh, Tom Young's... Ben Young's. Ben Young's. Which we're mostly... We're mostly half-joking when we when we give him well, a stick. Well, yeah, I mean, we're not half-joking when he, we say he's the best scrum half in England, yet the third best scrum half in Leicester. Yes, exactly. Of the English scrum halves. <laughs> and it's, it is a constant joke that we, we always make that uh, Australian rugby fans think he is, regard him as one of the greatest scrum halves of all time. Because he's incredible he whenever they see him. Yes. Well, he's very good this week. He made a lovely little break down the middle. Leicester looked so good this weekend, I felt. So the score doesn't look like it was um, completely dominant by Leicester, but they started They started very well. They finished very well. Some of the fluidity of the moves look re- looks really smart now. I, maybe. Look, it's too early in the season to say if this is an actual thing, but they seem to have added a bit more attacking nous to what feels like a very strategic game plan. And it's to to watch them kind of slotting in Gopeth into that team, because obviously it was... Gopeth, uh, well, he definitely wasn't involved last year, but he's mm. probably third-choice fly-half this year. When 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 they... Well, he'll be, he'll be the third-best-paid fly-half this year. Yes, let's, let's, put, it, best paid, let's yes. put it that way. Um, he's, and he's, he just slots in. But he's there to win. He, he, um, he is. Yeah. You know, there's a reason that you pay a fly-half who is... A hundred years old. He might be a year. He might be a few months younger than me. He might be older than you. He might be older than me, actually. I think he's eighty-three. Oh yeah, he is. And boom, I'm eighty-four. Have, have that. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I've still got a future in, in the Premiership. Um, there's a reason that you pay a guy like that because he's seen it all. He is. He's um, June twenty-ninth of June, nineteen eighty-three. What, what a legend. Yeah. What an absolute legend. Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't surprise me that he can just, you know, slot in and play, whether it be 12, whether whether it be 10. He knows exactly what's expected of him. He's seen everything before, and it just works perfectly. It's a great, great signing. I really think it's a, it's one of the best better signings in, in the Premiership. That and, I know, Flassie. And that we, we spoke before about the Australian massive back row. That back row of uh, George Martin, Ollie Chesson playing open side, and Liebenberg at number eight. Well, I wonder if this is a little bit of Sam Allardyce c- coming out here, which is, I've got these players, how do I get them all on the field at, at the same time? Uh, I'm thinking of Bolt- Bolton back in the day rather than uh, his later disasters. <laughs> but but they, had, they had Tommy Raffel on the bench. So I, I, think, I think this yeah. is... I think um, Borthwick will have seen something... And we'll be doing it. There'll be a reason with Borthwick. If it was another manager, another um, director of rugby, I'd say yes. But Borthwick, he just he does things. There'll be a logic and a reason behind it. Yeah. Either how they're going to play later in the season or to combat something that he sees in the Newcastle team. But there'll be a reason for it. Well, yeah. the one thing. Well, just onto Newcastle. I am. A, it hasn't resulted in any anything yet on the scoreboard uh, on the league table at least. But. There's definite evolution and some positive signs in what Dave Alder's bedding in there. I yeah. do agree, and they've had yeah. a couple of really, really tough games to get going against. To be fair, yeah, yeah. Qu- Quinns and Leicester, yeah, are not great. So to get one 
one point out of that, uh, one league point out of that. They're, they're probably not that disheartened. No, I wouldn't be. I mean, it'd be nice to have a win, and I think the win that escaped them would be Harlequins. Very few they, teams they are could have go, won that. Yeah. yeah, very few teams they could have won that. But they've got, they've got Worcester. This is a this is a massive game. I know there's no it relegation is. and all the rest of it. This is a big, big game coming up this weekend. Yeah, but the points might not even matter. They might, know, all, yeah. they might, they might all be null and void. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah. you know, swings and roundabouts. Uh, well, yeah. I, I would like, the thing is, it is a massive game for them. It's also a massive game for Worcester. It is. Like well, a massive game. I could if, see, this, being they the, make, I could see yeah. this not happening. I really can. I, I just, I'm. Because there's so little detail around the buyer, it just makes me yeah. nervous. Yeah, it's very nebulous, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, got heads of terms, really, have you? Yeah, it makes well, me that, very that nervous. that sounded all right until five days later, the contract that was meant to be signed in the next 48 hours still hasn't been signed and no one has a clue who these people are. Yes. Because they don't exist. Yeah, that is my exact concern. And I hope, I really, really hope I'm proven wrong. Hey, how did Broughton Park 14s go? <laughs> uh, they narrowly lost in the f- in their first Lancashire Cup game. Oh, oh no! What oh, no. disaster! Is that the cup campaign over? Nope. What, no, it's, it's it's a it's a league table. They've got they've got the, the it's a really really tough pool they're in. I wasn't there actually for the game. Oh, uh, that would make I, sense. I had a blow by blow account from uh, from Louis, and uh, he he said they just weren't um, they weren't on it. And Who? they're all re- they're all disappointed, but I'm 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 pleased by the reaction. That it sounded like they got themselves together in a huddle and went right. We're never letting that happen again, which is uh, good. Like wh- I like a good wake up call. Yeah, exactly right. And who who was the offending team that uh, took on Broughton Park Fourteens? Uh, it was Lee, and they it's rugby league season, but they had all their rugby league players, and uh, mm, they're they? very very handy, very very handy indeed. Well, weirdly, Lee are in our league now, and they look like they're doing dreadfully. And I, it made me think actually this week when I was looking through the table that maybe the maybe there is a bigger crisis in rugby than I realised because I've I was talking to a lot of the lads that played not in our team but in our league this week. And everybody's reporting huge amounts of players missing. Huge amounts. Mm. And then some of the results and some of the names in the teams at level six this week in Manchester were, were playing when I was there. Mm. They were in the second team when I was Did, there. Yeah, I don't know if Broughton Park got three teams out at the weekend. Again, they had to forfeit one. And I was listening to uh, the the boys on... Uh, Mall over, and I did. I almost offered. I, I actually, we were hit, we were down here for a for an event, so I couldn't. But I did almost offer to go and play for Newquay Hornets, who I gather couldn't even get their first team out. Oh, oh wow! Well, or have, or, or at least in the first game of the season, couldn't get their first team out. Well, I was fully signed up to sailing, but I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. On a Saturday morning when I woke up, I was. I was semi-scheming as to how do I play for Falmouth. You were itching to have a game, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I was like, they wouldn't mind. Would they have had a game against Falmouth, for Falmouth? Would, would they? But uh, in the end, I did the right thing and went sailing with my mates. You did the right thing. Is though. that the right thing, though? Is it the right thing? You had beers on the boat with the boys. I did have well, beers you, on the boat. You can't sit here and complain about a lack of people playing rugby if you are you want to go and swan around on a boat rather well, than get your boots on. Well, I mean, I can complain about that because I'm in charge of an absolutely enormous high-quality squad which I've uh, <laughs> built from scratch. So I'm allowed to complain, but uh, yeah. Well, hold on. If, you, if, you're in, if you're involved in the running of an enormous squad, is that not just... 
you're just sapping the resources of the local area. <laughs> no, what we're doing is we build the right proposition so the players want to come. And part of the proposition is we appreciate you're going to go on your ski holidays, your spas, whatnot. We're all amateurs, so we need to build a big, big enough squad to accommodate this. So uh, that's how we do it. So your sailing trips and ski trips are, this is what I mean, but secondhand bringing down other local rugby clubs. Well, yeah, know, but if players can't play, can't commit to playing yeah. uh, 26 weeks of the year or whatever you need to for other teams, I, I, I can kind of see the point. So I, yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm very much <laughs> speaking in jest. Like, <laughs> I listen to some players that are playing level six and they've, walked away this year I said I just can't put in the commitment and the reason I can't put in the commitment is because you're good if you're good at rugby your team gets on you all the time and if you don't play you're letting the boys mm. down and I think you've got to be a bit more relaxed about that build a squad so nobody thinks that they're letting well yeah we will put, put pressure on lads to play but your squad's got to be big enough and you've got to understand that people will go away for mm. weekends and then you can build an even bigger squad and there's no pressure yeah. when it gets really tricky is when everyone's available Mm. But, but take some inspiration from uh, the emails at the start of the show, and if you haven't played in a while, just yeah, just even a couple of weeks, it can really help out your your local team. I did mm. it last week for Broughton Park. Just I put my boots back on just to try and make sure they got a team out um, down the club, and that that can make that can make the difference. So if you haven't played for a while and you're at loose end, get yep. your boots back on. Uh, you'll be pleased to know pleased to know Aylesbury won this weekend. Good. Yeah. Excellent news all around. That is robbed, fantastic news. Robbed in rounds one and two, but they're back to yeah, where they belong. Exactly right. Um, also, sadly, um, Plymouth Albion lost. Mm. But good news is they lost to Sale. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, every cloud. And uh, my beloved Sedgley Park. Did they win? They hammered Preston uh, with Oof. with the um, the uh, little trick play that's gone viral. Have, have you seen that, Tim? Yeah, really good. It is good, isn't it? Lovely. It's just very intelligent. Do you know another? Here's one thing that if you you prepare for this, it will score you a try at some point in the season, maybe several times. But on the occasion when a kick, a kickoff goes straight to touch, everybody assumes that it's scrum and everyone just jogs towards the middle as if it's a scrum. But you have three options Mm. in that scenario. You can have a scrum... You can have a line out on halfway, or you can just take a quick line out. Oh, it's ah. not so aware of that. If you kick the ball to touch, if you just have your, if you just have like your winger knowing, we'll just do a, we'll just do a quick line out, and off you go. You don't have to wait to give a decision to the referee about what you do. You can just play. And in fact, in the very first Rugby World Cup, John Kerwin scores a try against Italy. Doing exactly that. Well, look at oh. that. We get we get a lesson in the law and a lesson in history. That that that, that was wonderful. <laughs> Love that. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Preston by weight lost their first three at not too north. Mm. North uh, just, look in a team that's gone up. I mean, it's a it's a disappointment for the incredibly well coached Richmond, who were comfortably up at half time, but Coldy Coldy beat them. Won. Yes, I saw that. By two points, was it, was it not? Yeah, Coldy had a, a second half comeback and won, so they've gone up to the championship and doing good things. Up the Ravers. Um, now, uh, I've got another idea for... Um, I've got another idea for grassroots rugby. Not only have we got the multiple JB... Well, what do we call them? The paid participation cups. 
Yes. Which I actually wrote some rules for uh, last night, but I won't go into them. Um, I think there should be voluntary relegation now. So I'm looking at some of the results in six, seven, eight, sorry, seven, six, five, and four. And it is clear to me that these leagues have not been restructured nearly well enough. There are too many good teams that can't go up because it's so hard to go up. It is so. I was thinking about this, like how good certain teams are played for and how they should have gone up. But it's just really, really difficult. And it's equally really hard to come down. And I think mm. if you have a certain win-loss ratio, you should have the option to come down. You should, you know, you should be able to say without any shame. Look, we want to go down because it, this isn't working for us up here. There were two or three fifty-point results at level five in Northwest, mm. and that's just not good enough. Yeah, it's terrible. In fact, the problem with that is if you if say there's four teams that want to come down, yep. looking at some of the leagues, there might be. Yeah, there won't necessarily be four teams wanting to go up. Mm, yeah, well, yes. I mean, there's got to be the other. Yeah, you've got it's got to be reciprocal. Option. Yeah, you got to. Uh, otherwise, you could have everyone wants to just drop down to to level six, seven, eight, where they can w- win easily. Win again. And no one wants. Also, to on the have, occasion where um, there's east, west, or whatever that lead into one higher division, how do you decide who gets that spot when? Well, I think you have to have another playoff. Yeah, so one team would go down, and then the team with the better points, I guess, would have the first dibs on whether they want to go up. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd say. So you, you know, you don't automatically go up. There's a playoff. If you were contesting a playoff, you should have that right. If you lost that playoff, you should have that right to take that uh, position off the team that wants to come down because there just needs to be more fluidity coming up and down the league structures. That is that's my opinion, and I think. They've narrowed down the amount of teams that get relegated um, to the point that it just doesn't it doesn't serve its purpose now. There should be far more movement. Well, so is that not the easier fix then? You just go actually because there are because the overlap can be greater between the bottom of one league and the top of another. They shouldn't have reduced the number of teams that go down and go up. They yeah, maybe have kept them at two. Yeah, maybe you're right. Actually, maybe it should be top three teams mm. to go up or top two. Yeah, maybe maybe that's a yeah, yeah, yeah maybe that's a better, more organic option than saying, "Do you want to go down?" Yeah, because you can always do top one and a playoff, top two and a playoff, mm. top two absolutely, and see see where you get to. Top like two that. and a playoff would do me. Top two, yeah. That's I mean, in twelve team leagues, that's pretty big churn. Yeah, that could be. In a twelve-team league, that's half the league with uh, the promotion and relegation. Yes. So the argument in each year, the argument from the RFU was they didn't want to do promotion and relegation because of COVID. But I think they've never needed it more because of COVID. Mm, I, I agree with that point definitely. Mm. So, you know, point and up. stability, you know, amateur rugby. Who cares? <laughs> like you just the goal of the organisation is to go out and play rugby, and then the standard that you play is almost secondary. As long as you're playing, I mean, if you're not playing, it doesn't matter what standard that, standard that you're playing. So if you're gutting your club, just to say you're a level five team, you probably need to think again. Hmm. Next week's fixtures. Yeah, let's crack on that. Is it level final five? round of rugby championship? Uh, it is the final round of the rugby championship. So Argentina travel to South Africa um, and Australia travel to New Zealand. Both home wins. Yes. Agreed. Can, uh, I think, I think if South Africa have to win by, I'll be slightly wrong in this, I think they've got to win by maybe 15 or 16 more points than New Zealand win by if they both get the same league points. 
Are yep. they going to do that? Uh, South Africa could. Yeah. yeah, I think they could in South Africa. So. I'll, I'll be interested because what it means is South Africa. So let's assume New Zealand win because that'll be the first kickoff. South Africa will have to open up because they know they've got to win by say twenty points. That will be interesting to watch. Yeah, well, because South Africa often don't open up. Yeah, good point. So massive news. Um, I've seen enough rugby now to reopen the JB Gam. Gambling fund. Oh yes, back open. I'm gonna re- restock my uh, betting account with ten pound, then e- and then equally distribute that between the winners of every match plus one accumulator. And then at the end of the season, you're going to go on a. Um, yeah, I'm going to buy Twitter. <laughs> that's what. That's what I'll do. Um, so, Sale Leicester is is the first game. Hold on, rugby championship. So uh, yeah, we're going two oh, home wins. Yeah, cool. home yeah, wins. Yeah, yeah, Premiership. Yeah, what we got? Now, weirdly, it says Tuesday on um, on uh, Ultimate Rugby app. I think it must mean Friday. It says Tuesday, twentieth September, twenty two at twenty forty five. Uh, sale will be sale will play Tigers. Phil, can you confirm if um, uh, there's a Tuesday game in the Premiership? And well, not as far as I can tell. And it also looks like um, Leicester Tigers are away at Northampton Saints. They are. So, what on earth is that? Uh, is that it's very unlikely? Alter- it's very unlikely the rugby championship to be incorrect on such matters. So it must a- be prem- must be Prem Rugby Cup then. Yeah, it's tomorrow. This is Premiership. Maybe maybe it is Prem Rugby Cup. Anyway, I can't believe you're still using that app. Yeah, in fairness, it. it's a great app. <laughs> Phil, give us the fixtures. The actual okay. fixtures. The actual fixtures that I've got in front of me are on Friday. We've got Bath hosting Wasps. Two teams who need a win. Yes. Oh my god, this is a difficult one to call. It'd be quite a nice game to watch this. It'd be a great yeah. game. Is it's the Friday night game on BT Sports, yeah, isn't it? Um it is. they're already desperate, both of them. Both of them are. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna go for wasps. Gimme wasps. I, I said wasps think... last week and I was wrong. I think I think wasps, yeah. I think wasps. Yeah, I do. Then on Saturday we've got four three o'clock kickoffs. They Bloody are hell. Bristol hosting London Irish. Okay. Tasty game. Very tasty game. A, a, a replay of this week's London Irish Northampton game, I think. Mm. Similar score lines. I think. <sighs> Bristol. I can't yeah. believe, did I say that? You did just say that. I think Bristol. You're feeling the love. Give oh, me- I don't. I don't know why. No, just, no. What? I'm going. Uh, going Irish. Bristol yeah, have I've only just, beaten got- Wasps and Worcester and Bath, I'm, haven't they? I'm going to go for the. The oh, Bristol at home, but I'm going to go. I've just got just this funny feeling about Irish in that one. Uh, in that, just as a matchup, as a yeah. matchup, I think Irish. I can see that, but I'm going Bristol. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that game. Bristol, yeah, it'll be a hundred points each. Yes, agreed. Um, although we got that wrong about Bristol Wasps, badly yeah. wrong. Uh, next game, I assume this is the BT Sport game. East Midlands Derby, Saints host Tigers. It is the BT Sport game, and that's tasty <sighs> as well. Oh, that's awesome. I can't call that one. It's kind of ice against fire. Like Northampton Saints wants to run everything from everywhere. Bad dragon against good dragon. Yeah. Yeah. T- Tigers want to run nothing from nowhere. Yep. So, give me Tigers. They're going to grind 
Saints into dust. Uh, I'm going to assume that Dan Bigger will be fit and available for this one, and that this will be the game they bring Courtney Laws back for and Lewis Ludlam. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I think Northampton so, will win this. I might, I'm going to go Saints. Saints as well. Give me Tigers. Saracens will beat Gloucester at, at the Alliance. Yes. I don't have any doubt about that. Mm. I think I think you're right. But, but will Saracens go, right, Billy, Marrow, Owen, now you need to rest? Hmm. They've got to use, got- yeah, they've got to rest them at some point. They're, what they'll probably do is say one of them can rest this week. But it's also their first home game, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. So, I don't know. But give me Saracens. Saracens. Um, Probably Saracens, yeah. And then Worcester v Newcastle. I think Newcastle. There's only so much you can run on emotion for. I'm not. I'm not certain this game's going to go ahead. I've got a horrible feeling that Worcester is about to implode. Yeah. If it does go ahead, uh, there might not be a full complement of Worcester players there. I think uh, I've just got a really bad feeling about Worcester. Give me, give me Newcastle. Uh, I'm gonna have to say the same for the same reason, and I, I hope we're wrong on that. But I share uh, your absolutely yes. I share your fear that the, the game will not go ahead. I've got to say as well. So I've not always been Steve Diamond's biggest fan in the past. Um, I think he's come out of this brilliantly. I think I think he's exactly the man that you would want for this kind of situation. I, I've I've been watching him close up for a long time and you know my views on, on, on the guy. I do. But it, it is also true that I, I actually think he, he'll be loving this on a certain way. <laughs> I mean, it is all about him. But well, he's uh, independently wealthy as well, so he's not, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't need this to pay his mortgage. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think he's a, a great deal anyway. I think oh, he's... he is. Uh, he will be reveling in the... Uh, the, the under, whenever there's an underdog thing going on, oh, he loves brilliant, that, isn't he? he? Uh, I, I think they've got the best man they could possibly ever hope for in this situation. Yeah, I, t- I tend to agree. Uh, you know, like when he was talking about the staff and whatnot, um, and I know players that have said this, you know, when he's got your back, he's really, really got your back. Yeah. Now, there's another side to that when he's not got your yeah. back and you don't yeah, want to be def- there. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Yeah, exactly. there, 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 there is that too. But it would, yin and yang. Yeah. That, it would fill me with com- confidence until it doesn't. It, I was just thinking what, what DOR wouldn't... I wouldn't love in that situation we don't have to name names but Best I also odd. think Rob, I also think if Hooper. Rob Baxter Hooper. was at Worcester if Rob oh, Baxter is... was at Worcester it would be we'd be saying the same about him yes well, I, Baxter would be the yeah. other one that I'd want well, I don't know I, I don't know because it depends on the DOR's view on the game so Steve Diamond's very much yeah we'll play through this no matter what another DOR might say hey look we're all professionals you don't get paid we're not you know, I'm, we're not doing it you know, and it just depends. It's the fact that Steve Diamond will will want to do it. He doesn't necessarily need to get paid. Um, I, I could easily see another DOR saying, "No, you're all professionals. Nobody set, sets foot on the field. No one does contact because you know it's it's too important." I somehow can't see Baxter saying that, but I, I could see others. Yeah, I think they would. Uh, yeah, uh, do you know what the t- the two like, a, Diamond's been? Diamond has been brilliant. Baxter, I think, would be brilliant. And the, yeah, the, Pat Lamb. The, the I wouldn't do it for Pat Lamb. The characteristic, <laughs> the characteristic that uh, those two guys have is total transparency and openness. They'll just say what they, they'll just say it. And and in fact, Rob Baxter did a, a a great interview in the Telegraph this week where 
he was talking about not having England players and what it's like to be a rugby fan. And it's just any rugby fan would read the article and just go, yeah, Rob Baxter totally understands yeah. what I, it's like being a rugby fan. I wouldn't say Steve Diamond is transparent. That I would not say. But there is something you're touching on, Tim, and I can't quite explain what it is. It's authenticity, sort of, maybe. That's Total exactly authenticity. It. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because it's not transparency. I can guarantee you <laughs> it is not transparency. But authenticity is correct. Yeah, that is definitely right. Subtle but important difference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Transparent as long as you also sign this Steve Diamond branded NDA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, when, yeah, when a man's got personalised NDAs. <laughs> <laughs> um, final game of the weekend on Sunday, three o'clock kickoff. Exeter Chiefs host Harlequins. This will be a good Ooh. game as well. Uh, well, it's probably the one I'm most interested in because I've still got an off week. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So this is the game I'm most interested in. Um, and your fantasy, you've got half a half the sale team in your fantasy rugby draft. Yeah, so it, it, it's over for me now. <laughs> it's pretty much over. Uh, yeah, this will tell me a lot about both teams because if Exeter are really the real deal, and I suspect they've sort of got over their woes from last year somewhat, they'll beat Harlequins. Equally, if Harlequins want to go on and make top four, they have to win this. This is a great game. This is every bit as competitive as the Newcastle Worcester game. This will be a great game. This, I, there's some uh, really good matchups this yeah. week, actually. Wasp, it's really good. Wasp Bath is ace. Yeah. This one's ace. Yeah. Saint, Northampton Saints. Tigers. Saints. Saracens Gloucester will be a good game as well. Yeah. That'll, that'll be a cracking game. Bristol London Irish will be a cracking game. And Worcester Falcons. They're yeah, all, this, they're all this, dynamite. This is, this is awesome. Yeah. This weekend is particularly awesome. I think as as much as I was saying it's great to see Exeter Chiefs a little bit more Chiefsy and they've got their mojo back a bit. Uh, Quinns were my prediction to finish top of the table mm. and I think they will win. Mm. Who was your prediction to top of the table? Quinns. 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 Oh, I forgot what. Give me Exeter. Give me Exeter as well. I, I still think that Quinns will be... They might have Marcus Smith back. But they'll be missing a few other players. Well, Esther Hazen must be not far off as well. But well, he was Esther in South Africa. He was with. Yeah, he was oh in, yeah, of course he, he was. was. He was in the squad. Of course he was. So he he will definitely not be back. Yeah, definitely not be back. Yeah. Well, good for him. That's bad for Exeter. But I'm mm. sorry, bad for Quinns. Yeah, great game. And I love the fact we're talking about Exeter as we used to because just the, yeah, the league's brilliant. This weekend is awesome. Yeah. Who've Ulster got? Oh, good question. Uh... Zebra. Oh, uh, Aroni. Borders. <laughs> uh, travel Eagles, travel yeah. to Scarlets. Early kickoff on Saturday, one o'clock. Not an easy place to get to, literally. <laughs> Belfast to Clanethley is not, it's a, not an easy... <laughs> by boat. Probably is. By yacht. Yeah, maybe direct ferry is your best option. <laughs> Charter ferry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's... It, yeah. What we three weeks into the third week of the Premiership and the Premiership is starting to show its true colours now as actually how competitive it is what a great league it is. Um, I think except, it's a- except for one of the clubs. Well, so aside from one of the clubs, not knowing if, if, if a game will go ahead, yeah. if it exists, aside from loads of international players not being available or <laughs> the transparency yeah, the not actual, being there on why some are and why some aren't. But the actual matchups in the club, I mean, you're absolutely right about that. 
but it's you know it's kind of baked into Premiership rugby that the internationals are not there. The water stuff is a sham. The communications is a sham. Wider rugby world is a sham. But the actual core product of the Premiership is sound, which is the only thing we can really hang our hat on. Mm. Yeah, and just on that, and not wanting to take us off because we've we've been here long enough. But the other bit of news on that sense is that four of the 13 clubs voted for the salary cap to go back up to 6.4 million I believe in two years time yes 24-25 season that'll probably be a real terms reduction then after inflation's (laughs) taken it to actually not wrong yeah (laughs) frighteningly you're not you're not wrong so best of luck with that boys (laughs) very good excellent Uh, has that been voted on Tim is that is that official is it yeah, I believe that's the case. There was their 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 PRL meeting. I think that's right because I think when they set up the five million thing, we were talking last week about how a lot of Premiership rugby decisions need to be unanimous, and that's why the games were moved from. Yeah, well, the minimum amount of- that farce about the games being moved. Anyway, um, but on this, the, what they set up when they brought in the five million salary cap and the so twenty odd percent reduction, whatever it was, they said that they would have a one third would have to be able to vote for it or something like no that. it was three teams it was three, three, three teams okay. so presumably bristol have said yes bath yeah. have said yes yeah and somebody else saracens maybe leicester saracens? not leicester i don't imagine and, and just yeah. on the sort of financial side of rugby there's someone pointed out an interesting thing that um um i think it was rugby inside line on twitter highlighted that lawrence delali or rugby tonight had said that five premiership clubs are up for sale like owners current owners are willing to sell if the right buyer comes along well yes or no i mean every club's up for sale in that principle yeah everyone Everyone has has a price price. yeah Yeah. but no leicester leicester's for sale everyone knows that but there's no way they were getting what do they ask for it 16 million or something i don't know something ridiculous maybe it's like 60 million actually from memory yeah that rings a bell um just on the six point back up to 6.4 million it was because it was front page of the rugby paper this week because Lance Bradley, the Gloucester CEO, was uh, bemoaning the decision to go back up to 6.4 million from the 2024-25 season. So in two years' time, not next season. Yes. Two years time. Yeah, I, I think if they're going to do this, they should do it on a gradual increase. Yeah, half a million a year, something like something that. Like that. Yeah, it does make sense. Because the jumps, as as we've seen with the jumps down, which has kicked in slightly differently for different teams because of how they uh, reallocated their um, contracts, it hits people in different ways. Yeah, and the league is better for it, weirdly. The league is actually better for the salary cap reduction. Now, it might not be better in terms of actual talent that we still have available, <laughs> but it's better in terms of coaching, strategy, all of these things that need to be forced to the front. Have yeah, improved and the the evenness, like it will even out the teams because yeah. you'll see Exeter who won it a couple of seasons ago can't afford to keep on to guys like O'Flaherty and Johnny Hill, yep, as well as all the other guys like Hogg, like Slade, like Johnny Gray, like the, the Simmons boys, etc., etc. Exactly how it should be. Exactly how it should be. <sighs> there we well, go. Good there pod. You go. I enjoyed that. Well done, everyone. Yes, let's go home. Good work. I'm. I'm uh, Getting up to drive to Newquay Airport in five hours. Oh, delightful Newquay Airport! <laughs> yeah, isn't it lovely? It is straight in, straight out. No security. Well, yeah. there is security, but it's not when you land. There's no there's, yeah. There's arrivals. Basi- there's basically not security. Is yeah. there a good coffee when you get through the into the departure lounge? No, but there's some fudge and some pasties. That that will that will surprise oh, okay. you. Yeah, oh. 
Not oh, something. I wouldn't say an amazing coffee, but you've got you've got all that you need, and yeah. you can touch uh, all four walls at the same time if you lie on the floor and just stretch your arms and legs out. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a big airport, but it's one of my favourites. I like the ones where you get in and out. It's exactly like Exeter Airport, actually. It's almost like carbon copies, just the same. And yeah, I like it. Just get in, on you go, on your way. Yeah, tin shed. I'll be, uh, I'll be in London by breakfast time. So yeah, oh, we're good. perfect. Excellent. All right, everyone. Beautiful. Cheers, nice guys. One. Bye. In a bit. Oh, Jay. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.